Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 143. Who am I to deny the return of the king? Josh is back with us. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Um, great. My head is in one you, place. You gotta the... stop dabbing. No, never. Every time you take a break from the show and you come back, you gotta always start us with the dab, and it makes me reconsider all my life choices. That's that's exactly why I do it. I'm good, man. The brain is in one spot. Everyone is uh, happy. If I repeat myself, I'm sorry. It just means I forgot what I was saying. And uh, if I repeat myself, I'm sorry. It just means I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the brain is in one place. It's inside of his head still. It's just sloshing around a little bit more than usual. Just a little bit more than normal, yeah, dude. But yeah, well, hopefully going forward, Josh and I have a routine. Uh, we th- we think, but can't we'll guarantee. Uh, but since Josh has been out of commission for so long, I'm sure he's been delighted to tell us what he's been catching up on due to his recovery time. Josh, what you been watching? <laughs> I've uh, all right. So I showed. My dad and my youngest brother, Ip Man, the first one. Mm. For, There's and it was, four now, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen three or four, and I don't really care to. But um, also the version on Netflix is the one that is not dubbed. And my dad is very much not the kind of person to read subtitles, but he liked it nonetheless. So when, um, I, I don't know if I've ever asked, but when you're watching not so much animation, but like movies like Ip Man, foreign for martial arts films, would you rather have sub or dub? Because of my ADHD, I would all, I prefer dub just because it's, it's, it's legitimately hard for me to read and see what's on the screen just because my eyes are bouncing back and it's just, I can't focus, but, um, I don't mind it as much mainly because I've seen the movie like. I've seen it, man, like 20 times. So I know what's being said. I'm not, I could probably quote it word for word, but uh, also because um, cinema wins did a, did a video on it. I ended up watching Godzilla versus Kong um, again. It's good. It's fun. It's a good time, man. You can't, there's no denying. And like the way that he like breaks stuff down, made me want to watch it again. And from a new light, and because of the timing of everything, you and I have not gotten to talk about Suicide Squad on the pod. Which, spoiler alert for those at home, um, if you haven't seen it uh, by now, you didn't really care to. Um, James Gunn is confirming that TDK is alive somehow? I thought we saw I him don't. get riddled with bullets in the chest, but maybe I'm just seeing him get his arm shot up. Which, I would actually pay good money if he comes back in another Suicide Squad movie and the detachable kid has no arms and therefore <laughs> is like that's the most james gunn thing i can think of of what's your superpower my arms could detach just a flesh wound and make all the monty python jokes we possibly can out yes. of it but uh well, I, I think mean... i think you and i are in agreement of this is probably our new favorite dceu movie um yeah. i think yeah yeah no absolutely without a doubt um i met I do know some people that still didn't like it. I don't know how you can get that through that movie and not like it. Um, uh, many, I've, the main concern, c- complaint I've heard is it's still too cheesy. And I was like, okay, but Marvel, but whatever. Um, I'll, it just, it's so entertaining to me. I, I think they still set up for a King Shark is a Shark moment in the, in the third one. And I'm so excited about it. <laughs> yeah king shark was great i i kind of hoped taika Waititi was king shark as i've said numerous times on the podcast but 
if that was the case, we wouldn't have gotten the phenomenal Taika Waititi performance that we did get, even if it was in a limited role in a movie with a gigantic evil telepathic starfish and a king shark, a living shark man. You get a character named Ratcatcher to almost get me to tear up with a beautiful monologue of his powers are he controls rats and he has the greatest line in the whole movie of his daughter asks him, why rats? Why do you want to control yeah. rats as your superpower? Because, my darling, rats are the lowliest and most frowned upon creatures in the world. If they have a purpose, so must we all. And I'm going, oh. this is in the same movie <laughs> with, just, <laughs> with so much else. Oh, Spoiler dear. alert, you, this is in the same movie where Pete Davidson gets his face shot off. And a character oh. named Weasel, which I won't spoil this part for people, but... The opening scene with Weasel when they drop to the mission is probably the hardest I have laughed in a movie Dude. since 22 Jump Street. I I actually had tears in my eyes from laughing so hard with the introduction to Weasel of, did oh no one double gosh. check on Weasel first? <laughs> oh, I love that it becomes like a running gag throughout the throughout the movie, too. It was like, did no one check? No one checked this! Okay, cool. Bloodsport like, afraid think... of rats? Did no one double check this? <laughs> Nobody asked! Nobody thought to ask. I what's crazy is I didn't realize that Ratcatcher was Taika Waititi until that speech. I didn't mm. realize, and they're sitting on top of the tower and they're all they're just talking. I was like, "Whoa, yo, that's that's Taika. That's uh, yeah, super cool. Love it, uh, fantastic." And this is the part of the oh, show. Oh, so where um, it, are you gonna eat some crow now? Are you gonna eat some crow now for doubting Polka Dot Man? Oh, um. You're right. Because, because <laughs> for months and months, ever since they announced that Polka Dot Man was going to be in this, I stood on my block saying Polka Dot Man is fantastic and Polka Dot Man will be one of the best characters in this movie. And tell me I'm not wrong when Polka Dot Man was one of the best characters in this whole movie. <laughs> Dang it. I love, I think the, uh, when Bloodsport is like, and poke it up, yeah, that's your mom. I was like, it's yes! your mom. Okay, mom. I was like, yes. Okay. That whole cool. scene is perfect there, of like Bloodsport finally taking on a leadership role. Uh, he's so much better than Black. Anyway, um, which, which, okay, though, R.I.P. Flag, bro. I like, felt how, how for is flag. he my favorite? I felt like, things I for Flag. Him. Yeah. Like, I don't get how. We can have the flag from the first uh, Suicide Squad, which I appreciated that they kind of were, were like, hey, this is still a continuation of the first one. Um, and not, hey, we're trying something new. Um, the fact that I did not care about flag at all in that first one to where in this one, flag is genuinely like top five favorite character in this, oh, yeah. in, in this film. And has so, probably one of the best mm -hmm. lines besides the Taiko thing of the whole what a joke like oh that actually gets me excited for that show that's coming up uh yeah the whole cast is great polka dot man i would die for king shark king shark is a beautiful creature uh <laughs> nanawe is just great read does he know what's upside down it's the points that he's he's giving it his best effort <laughs> so it's just so good what else you watching i i have a confession to make You've been watching nothing but Mean Girls. I so I got really bored, right? Uh, because uh, there was like 
a week, week and a half period where I just mentally couldn't, for obvious reasons, couldn't handle a lot. Um, so on season two of Friends, and um, I'm enjoying it, and I'm really mad at myself for it. Wow, this just feels like a betrayal of all of your morals. I just, like, and I was, dude, you don't understand. Okay, also, I'm, also, 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 oh. also, how many <laughs> other shows have I recommended to you to watch instead? <laughs> I've told you countless times to watch Superman and Lois, or watch season three of Titans, and watch Nightwing Square Off Against Red Hood, or a slew of other shows, and yet the one show, for anybody that listens, the one show more than any other that Josh just hates with a fiery passion from hell, it is Friends. Now, I'm in the camp that I don't think Friends is that bad, but I think it's a, it is a bit overrated, but wow. I, I'm more just I'm, going, yeah. are you Josh, and how hard did you get hit? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Nobody will tell me. Anyway, um... That's a whole other conversation, but I, I don't know. Like, but I, I did try to watch Titans, but like some of the the flashing kind of bothered me. So uh, okay, like, and like that makes sense. Some of the more comic book action stuff, I had to stay yeah, away yeah, yeah. from just because it like it made me dizzy. Um, everybody knows like I got a concussion, right? Like you told them. Uh, I think we did we once. Josh actually died and has now come <laughs> back to life. <laughs> Hi guys, what's up? Yeah, anyway, uh fell off a ladder at work at, or at my previous job. Anyway, um <clears throat> uh but yeah, so I'm watching Friends now and I'm enjoying it. And I I don't think I will say I am still I think I'm more into the camp where you are now of like it's it's fine. It's not terrible. It's definitely overrated, but like it's enjoyable. So just like some people believe Mephisto is actually Doctor Strange in the No about? Way Home trailer, hell has clearly frozen over because because Josh is watching Friends now. This is just, Dude. This is just bizarre. Okay. You and I haven't had a like, serious chance to talk about the Spider-Man ch- trailer yet because like we barely even ch- uh, t- texted about it. Eh. I mean, yeah. It's it, I, my brother and I felt the same. It was kind of a teaser, but yeah. more than a trailer. Well, I it I'll didn't it. alleviate any of my concerns that I have. I'll say that. <laughs> I definitely I like how we're getting into the situation. I still don't like the situation we're in. Ooh, um, sorry. I forget. I always forget that sometimes you you mute your mic, but I can still hear it. <laughs> so when you burp <laughs> off on mic, I'm like, oh, that's a good one, bro. Oh, <laughs> anyway, uh, um, I like I like how we're getting into this situation with the multiverse with Spider-Man, but I don't like that we're getting into the situation with uh, multiverse with Spider-Man. So I'm I, s- I'm still yeah. not convinced. I think everyone's all excited for this movie, and if you're excited for this movie, that's awesome. I'm still not convinced that this isn't the way that Spider-Man leaves the MCU. I think I. I still have that fear in the back of my mind that I think this whole multiverse thing kind of sprung out of nowhere. And I know people will be like, well, they set it up in Loki and they said that they were going to do it in WandaVision and they clearly didn't. That was a marketing lie. Uh, and we're getting Doctor Strange. This just feels very sudden for Spider-Man. Like, it didn't feel like the direction that he was going in. And I wonder if this is a, oh, well, they want their contract to end. But if we do yeah. a multiverse thing, it 
at least opens the door for the potential for him to come back someday. Um, yeah, I I thought that it was okay. Um, I think we talked about it last week on the podcast. At least just me when I was when it was just me last week uh, did a video about it. But I thought it was okay. Uh, I'm still very concerned about this movie just being so so crowded because yeah, as yeah. we know. Spider-Man has a history of dropping the ball when it comes to third outings, which we will talk about later for our discussions. Um, Because not only Spider-Man 3 dropped the ball, but for those that haven't looked into what Amazing Spider-Man 3 was going to be, oh god, it's probably a good thing that it ended at Amazing Spider-Man 2 because we don't really want a revived Gwen Stacy to come back from the dead and a whole bunch of other weird things. Look, man, it what would be crazy if they switched Tom Holland with Andrew Garfield or something like that, or like or with Toby? You know how crazy that would be. So there's some rumblings about some yeah, stuff that as we might always are that we might have been onto something for a while now, and there's some people suggesting that the Spider-Man that'll show up in Venom Two is Garfield, to which Absolutely. we've actually been saying that I feel like for ever now of. Andrew Garfield never ran into a Venom symbiote. And I think that would that's a better matchup to me, I think. That's I think more believable. Oh, absolutely. Um I think that's very much a possibility. So I I'm I'm still at least curious about this movie. And it, it's Spider Man. I'll see that see it opening weekend, obviously. But I'll be lying it's if I said I wasn't at least a little concerned about it being yeah. su- super, super crowded. And I know everyone loves seeing Doc Ock return. I thought it was cool, but he looked a little bit janky. I thought the de-aging mm. wasn't quite there yet. Yeah, and I still don't know how to feel about the Defoe goblin balls come just rolling in. It's like, okay. I, As some okay. people are just like, they're going to troll us, and it's going to be the Dane DeHaan goblin. I hope they do. Honestly, I hope they do. <laughs> Leave Defoe out of this, man. Like, oh, no, it's the full-on multiverse. It just everything goes haywire. It's Nicolas Cage as Green Goblin. Mm. Hey, Peter, mm. have my I'm, goblin palms. That was a horrible I'm, Nicolas Cage. I've done much better, but I'm not against that idea. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. He's got the uh, manic expression. Oh, what was I watching that I was like, oh god. If this back in the day was the case, oh, I recently watched uh, for my what what we watching uh, the Exorcist Part Three. Um, oh, I would have killed back in the day to see Brad Dorif be the Joker. I think really? he, I think he would have been a great Joker, especially watching him in the Exorcist Three. Um, granted, like I'm not the biggest fan of Chucky, um, and I. I liked him enough as Grima Wormtail in Lord of the Rings. It's a very different role, but I think at one point he could have been a really, really good Joker. Um, you watching anything else, Josh, before we get into the news? Um, Not really. Uh, oh, I showed, I finished uh, The Witcher, my second run through, but mm. it's because my dad hadn't seen it, so I watched it through with him. Um, and I randomly started the books for, mm. of The Witcher, just to kind of have some. It's a pretty long series, so I've I've got quite a few to go through. Um, also, I you know that stack of comics I told you about that I got from the library. I, I, got, I got through all of them. Oh, um, good. I thought you were about to say <laughs> I got through one of them. I mean, it, it it was. I mean, dude, we're talking like seven volumes of Rebirth Green Lantern. The first 
I think six volumes of Saga and part one and two of Doomsday Clock. Doomsday? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was. I've done a lot. I've done a lot more reading in this downtime than I have watching, which is benefiting me a lot. Actually, I'm starting to build some stuff. So, uh, lastly, for what we're watching, uh, Heather and I, as you all know, if you've been following us long enough, Heather and I have been going through Smallville. We're now in season four, which means that nice. Lois Lane has finally showed up. And, oh, okay. God, she's just such a breath of fresh air. Like, I didn't mind the actress that played Lana, but compare Lana and Lois, and, oh, my God, Lois is just so much better of a fit. Um, also, in season four, we get a new character played by Jensen Ackles, randomly. And we, I clearly wasn't paying attention enough. And then only in the most recent episode did I find out his name is Jason. And I'm just going, the foreshadowing. Holy crap. Like six or seven years before he's going to voice Red Hood. Cause like, That's great. Like when he says his name's Jason, Heather and I just like froze and look at each other and like, wait. Is he? He's his name's Jason in this. Like we laughed our head off because Heather's seen Under the Red Hood several times. She loves that one just like I do. And we're like, wait, he's playing. <laughs> he's playing a character named Jason. Also, um, clearly Lois was supposed to be an extended cameo, but clearly the character resonated so well that they're keeping her around. So like when they send her out the first time, she finally does the see you around. Smallville, I, I flip my stuff. I'm like, yeah, finally we call him that. Because I, I don't know if Amy Adams ever called him, called Henry Cavill um, Smallville. Also, quick That's side tangent so. that I can't believe I never noticed, but the iconic Superman pose of Superman with his hands on his hips and chest puffed out, Henry Cavill's never done that in any of the movies. I'm going, was Zack Snyder's like... Like, with Snyder's tendency to recreate comic book panels, he never had him do that? It's just kind of no. bizarre. I'm like, wait, he had to have done it at least once, but no. Nah, no, no, no. Uh, the, he, he would have... They've never given him the opportunity. Also, uh, Zack Snyder only recreates comic panels when it's Batman, so... Uh, no, he's done some Superman ones, but he likes dark and gritty Superman. Yes, he, he, does. he does. He wants Superman's to be the Superman that we know and love at the end of his journey, not throughout his journey, which I have issues with. But you know what? I just thought of this. Uh-oh. What if the only Superman story that I think I'd be down with Zack Snyder doing would be a Red Sun? I actually I that, that would make sense, but I think that, that fits him so well. I think the problem though that we'd run into is Zack Snyder. I don't think would understand the subtlety of that storytelling of <laughs> like it's supposed to be an allegory, and what? there's some symbolism there, and no! I don't think he'd get that. I think he'd just be like, "Oh, so Superman's a fascist in this one? Awesome!" Um, so <laughs> before we get into the news, <laughs> yep. broke Josh. Let's- Let's go, man. Let's get into the news. I'm excited. Before we get into the news, I forgot I have not introduced what our topic is. As you've, I'm sure, oh. seen by the title. Uh, in honor of Shang Chi coming out this weekend, uh, and him being a lesser known and often overlooked comic book character that's finally getting his time to shine, we kind of wanted to shine a light on characters and character portrayals that often don't get the recognition that they deserve. So this week, we're going to talk about underrated comic book movie performances. So like. Whether it was because they were a great performance in a bad movie, which I have quite a few of those, or they're 
a performance in a great movie that may have been overshadowed by somebody else, but these performances themselves are really, really good. With that said, let's get to the news because Josh is is needing to get some news out there, I have a feeling. What? No way. First up is one that's not surprising and kind of surprising at the same time, and that is that Sylvester Stallone and Lionsgate both have seemingly confirmed production will begin soon on The Expendables 4. Um, Yay! Okay, cool. Um, This is a franchise that I enjoy enough it's not one that like i need to see the next one or like i need to see an expendables 4 i thought three was a pretty decent stopping point um but i'm interested in this they also have added tony jaw which i'm sure josh is beyond excited about that megan fox and 50 cent to the cast for expendables 4 which i think is an interesting choice sure um I'm not opposed to this. Um, I do hope, though, that this time around we go back to an R rating because the third one was whatever, but I do think PG-13 yeah. heard it. And I'm looking at the names in this, and besides Tony Jaw, who actually kind of does make sense for this, we're still missing some kind of big names that I'm still kind of pissed have never been in an Expendables movie. Like... Uh, where the heck is Jackie Chan, who has been on the top of my list forever? He's been, like, the biggest omission, because we've had, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis. You got Bruce Willis to actually try in a movie twice! Um, you got Jean-Claude Van Damme. You've had all, so many... Chuck Norris! Chuck Norris is the sole reason... <laughs> Chuck! Chuck Norris Mel is the Gibson. sole reason why, uh, Expendables 2 is my favorite of the movies, just because... Two is where they really started to embrace what they were. I felt like their first Expendables mm-hmm. took itself a little too serious of going, we are a hard-edged action movie. I'm going, you're a whole bunch of old dudes firing guns to compensate for the fact that you know you're slowly dying. Um, but let's have some fun with it. And that's what they did with the second one. Also, the second one, totally self-indulgent, but I don't care. It was amazing. They had Chuck Norris tell a Chuck Norris joke in a movie. Hey, I heard you got bit by a cobra. It's true. After three days of agonizing pain, the cobra died. And I was like, I flipped it. I was like, yeah, buddy. And the fact that Chuck Norris like took out a whole town by himself, it was great. Um, so I don't mind this franchise. It's it's whatever. But I think Josh has much more enthusiasm for it, it than I do. Uh, here's the thing. Any chance to see more Tony Jaa in American cinema, I'm all here for. Which I was um, about to ask. Wasn't Tony Jaa in one of the Ip Man movies? I don't think, not to my knowledge, at least. Well, I don't you haven't think... seen half of them, so. That's fair. Uh, but he was with Donnie Yen in X 3 So there's that. <laughs> but I, I'm kind of with you, kind of not. Like, I don't mind this series at all. Like, it's, I love that. They're fun movies. At the, at the end of the day, they're just fun, stupid action that, at least after the, second one doesn't try to take itself too seriously um and honestly like i I will watch the crap out of it i'm just gonna especially the third one i think is one of my favorites only because mel gibson as a villain is just so good so just mel gibson i mean yes but 
<laughs> he's being he's basically being um his character from lethal weapon but like allowed to be a kind of a terrible person so like he was in real life anyway um is but yeah yeah is well you know what i don't want to sit here and say that he hasn't grown i don't know i don't know him personally he has been a terrible person anyway um but yeah no yeah i don't quite know why megan fox would be in there wasn't ronda rousey in the third one or something like that yes but she's at least like an mma fighter i don't know why she's also a terrible actress despite what she will tell you yeah um but yeah like why is jack jackie chan's not in this like what where is he um people like scott adkins michael j white like they need to be in these series like why especially michael j like why is he not in this i was about to ask what are some names if it was up to you for casting who would you put in this movie um donnie yen needs to be in there i don't know if he is yet i haven't seen the current cast list for three uh for four yeah for four um donnie yen jackie chan uh scott adkins um who's some newer guys that have come up recently i got one Um, he's not a stunt actor like he's a athlete turned actor uh is it like fabian or florian who the guy that played drago in creed 2 oh yeah oh oh batista Oh, Batista and Expendables would be great. Yes. Oh, he Batista bombed somebody through a table, (laughs) like or a car, like just like (laughs) there's this opportunity to have John Cena in there. Are you kidding me? Batista versus Cena in an Expendables movie. Bro, bring in John Cena, Batista, and and the Miz. And no, have them no, be a squadron. No, me. listen, 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 listen. Have them be a squadron called the Marines. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, oh, I think okay. Batista would be fun. I think Cena. I think I could see Cena before I see Batista because Batista has yeah. been on this weird high horse lately of just like I'm only in art movies. I'm going. You also were in Stuber and <laughs> the Nanny, not the Nanny. Uh, My Spy. I'm like. Like, yeah, I get that you want to try okay. some diversity, Batista, but, like, don't shame I other think... wrestlers turned actors for what performances they pick. Um, I also yeah. think well, you said – I was actually going to say this name before you even said Batista, but if we're just going for let's, – let's be honest. The cast of Expendables is not known for their acting ability. They're there for the, the name appeal. Mm-hmm. I would pay good money to see Sylvester Stallone fight Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I would pay money to have Steven Seagal show up as a cop. <laughs> like, they go to Louisiana, <laughs> which is where Steven Seagal works as a cop, by the way. Um, as the car and, that people drive? No. He... <laughs> I can't. I just, like, there's so many, like, if you're not going to take yourself seriously, that's great. Lean into that super hard. Um, I just there's so much cool stuff. I want more. I want more Antonio Banderas. I, Cast like, Braun Strowman. No, I'm good. Anyway, um, actually, you know what? Yeah, I'm pretty okay with that. I'd be down. <laughs> no, I want. I I want the the guy from Creed two, Florian Fabian. I'm always blank on his name. I'm so sorry. Him versus Brock Lesnar in a hoss fight. Just yeah, like Brock's I the mean, bad guy or something, and the other guy just gets the crap beat out of him. Uh, it'll never happen, but 
having Dwayne in one of these movies should happen eventually by like Expendables eight, but you know, if we get that it, point. At the rate we're going, we're going to need to have a franchise handing off moment because some of these guys will be picking up their AARP cards if they haven't already. So handing the reins to a Batista, who, if Batista's casting this, will unfortunately be the young guy, mid to like 40s That's Batista. Um, I mean, no, he, he'd be like, well, Jason Statham is a normal, as a, as a guy, a common guy on the cast, and he's... There's no way Jason is over 50. There's no way. Hold on. Uh, I've got a... I think he's like I've 53 a, or 54. Born in 67. That doesn't help me. I can't, I can't do math. Yeah, that's, that's 50. Old that's 54. J- Jason Statham. He's 54. So I myself. Dang, you're right on the money. Right up there. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel would be fun. He's also old, but also, if you... Vin Diesel is like a vampire. Don't invite him into your house, because Vin Diesel, mark my words, I'm sure if he was brought on board with the Expendables, he would do the exact same thing that he did with Fast and Furious. He'd be like, cool. I want this franchise to be mine now. I want creative (laughs) input. We're going to have an Expendables Fast and Furious... Oh... Ooh. Say less. Say okay. less. You want me to hey, hold on? You want me to care about Fast and Furious? T- do tie-ins with other movie franchises. Don't even pretend like that would be so cool and confusing because Jason Statham is involved. Oh, dude, <laughs> that'd be uh, like. I know some people are like we need a Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious crossover because they're both owned by Universal. Expendables and Fast and Furious. That would be interesting. Fast and Expendable. Also the name of the next Suicide Squad movie. (laughs) Expendable and Furious. (laughs) TDK's limbs. But, yeah, mark us down for at least curious about this one. This could could go either way, good or bad. Now, this next one is hardly surprising, but at the same time, it kind of is, but... I guess it's not because Jungle Cruise has done quite well in this pandemic era. I believe it's crossed 100 million domestically. Um, and it has already gotten a sequel greenlit by Disney. Now, this I think is not super surprising just because it was very evident watching this movie that Disney wants to franchise the crap out of this movie. I don't know if you saw this yet, Josh, but this movie very much did feel like Disney goes, okay, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um,. Well, no one wants to touch Johnny Depp right now, and also the past few Pirates movies have made us less and less money, so we probably need to do something new. What's another ride that we want to do? Oh, we can't do a Country Bears movie yet? Uh, Jungle Cruise, then. (laughs) (laughs) We need to, no, we need to, like, okay, so we're going to have an Iron iron Giant jar, a How to Train Your Dragon jar, How Long It Takes Us to Bring Up Nicolas Cage jar, and you need to have a country bears jar because there's no way like how how is it that it's been what two three three weeks and i, I was like man i sure hope he doesn't talk about country bears again today there's oh this time it actually makes sense though it does you're right you're okay right. <laughs> but the thing with jungle cruise is you felt like they're trying to franchise this because it's just like okay cool we've got some sloppy seconds of pirates and some leftovers from some other Disney franchises, let's merge them together and just Jungle Cruise. It's not bad. It's a it's a fine 
slightly below average adventure movie. Um, <laughs> I'll be curious, though, of, like, it's a pretty self-contained story. What would the sequel be? Um, I could, like, it's not set in stone, like, this is definitively the end, but, like, I felt like the story that needed to be told was told in Jungle Cruise. Also, I know The Rock was happy with his pay, but I thought we'd heard that Emily Blunt was not happy at Disney. Is that not the case anymore? Or if it is, Disney will go, um, we'll do what The Mummy did and just replace Rachel Wise with somebody else. The audiences will not know the difference. No one knows who Emily Blunt is. The Rock can be paired with anybody and he can make it work. Which actually, that's not, not entirely cool. inaccurate. He yeah. made Rampage a success somehow. Um, yeah. But um, give it to someone that yeah. has not seen the movie yet. Josh, Jungle Cruise 2, good idea or bad idea? And why is it not as good of an idea as a new Country Bears movie? <laughs> um Bears <laughs> Stop. Um I think I don't think that they're taking the Emily Blunt thing seriously, and that's why they're going ahead and greenlighting a second one. If what you're saying is true, in that the story's kind of come full circle, technically speaking, Emily doesn't have to come back for the second for the second. Technically if, if from my understanding of the trailers, if uh, Dwayne is, I feel so weird just to call him Dwayne. Um, still, after all these years, if if he's the the guy that runs the cruise, technically speaking, he can just be the one that's always having the adventures and just have a new crew every time. Well. Uh, I won't say too much for you because I think you can at least have some fun with this um, when it comes like to Disney Plus for free or whatever. But I'll give credit where credit's due, and I said this in my review. The trailers actually hide some seriously big story beats, especially with his character. Um, Good. That, again, once you see it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, Pirates Leftovers. Um, <laughs> like, they're... It, it was fine, but I think there's a big part of his... Again, I'm trying to say it without saying some spoilers. There's some big parts of his character that will be forever changed going forward. I'm going... Fair. Um, I, I just don't know if this has the legs that, like, a pirate's did. Because pirates will always be interesting. And they could have different treasures. I mean, you could do that for this of... Maybe there's some other expeditions that they go on, some other treasures to find. It's I, I don't know. I I don't mind the first one. I just don't see this being that interesting as an idea for a sequel. But we've been wrong before. Mm-hmm. Happily, all the time. It's like I don't know, man. Um, maybe I'll watch it and give you my my perspective. But I, it's it, it it's. Technically, this series can't have legs because it's a boat. Um, but anyway, leave the. Kind of I was about to say leave the bad puns to me, but we both <laughs> are the, the kings of bad puns. Now, this next news topic. Oh boy! If there was a panic button, I would be smashing that panic button so so hard as the troubled production of this new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. At least to me has hit another speed bump. And that is that Texas Chainsaw, I don't know what 
we were even calling this one. I think it was just called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, following the Halloween 2018 route, has been acquired by Netflix and will be a streaming-only movie option. Oh, boy. This is raising all the red flags to me. Um, this movie, I already had a bunch of red flags on because, if I remember reading correctly, the original director for this movie either was fired or left after, like, a week. So... Yeah, and it's two foreign directors. Now, I'm not saying foreign directors can't do horror, but Texas Chainsaw, at least in my mind, is such an Americanized property that having foreign eyes on a property might... I don't know. I don't know if they'll bring the same sensibilities to it. Also, I'm coming at this from a... I don't particularly care about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's whatever. I think the first one is... Fine, I understand and respect its place in horror history. It's very important as a movie, but I've never really cared about Leatherface as a character. I've never really cared about this as a franchise. But if I am a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan, oh, I would be panicking right now. This, to me, raises all the massive red flags in the world. This is not a good sign to me. This, this to me, goes, okay, whoever's making this clearly does not have faith in this movie because... Almost all the movies that we've seen recently been acquired by Netflix are studios dumping it because they don't think it's going to make some money. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And Netflix picking it up doesn't make sense because it's not like Netflix is going to make more money on it somehow. Like that's not how the, how Netflix is run unless they some, for some reason start like renting out certain, certain movies on a period of time, which I can see them doing, but I don't see it going well. So I don't know, man. I I think what was the one chainsaw movie that we watched for Five Good Things that one? That time? was just called Texas Chainsaw, I think. Texas Chainsaw three okay. D. Yeah, I liked that more than I liked the first one. Oh wow. I'm sure some people are gonna come for you. I wouldn't be surprised no, if part of the part of the reason we liked it is just how dumb it was and also Alexander Daddario. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. And wonky 3D. I think Texas Chainsaw is a hard slasher to do because you kind of got to be stupid to, or like strapped to a table if you get hit by a chainsaw. Whereas like a knife, you can sneak up on somebody, but like a chainsaw is like heavy and it just doesn't like the whole idea of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't make sense to me. And it just, the idea of Netflix acquiring it doesn't make sense to me. It's fine. Whatever. Netflix, do your thing. Just give me Witcher season two and we'll just kind of go from there. I think that the big reason for me, why Texas Chainsaw never really resonated with me is the franchise was just kind of all over the place. Now, that was mm -hmm. bound to happen for a lot of horror franchises. As much as Halloween's my favorite, I will openly acknowledge it's like, what, five or six various timelines. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure franchise, basically, with Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, but Texas Chainsaw has been all over the place and has so many different reboots. Um, most recently, I think Leatherface was the most recent one from, like, what, 2017? Mm -hmm. You watched that one right and it had yeah. the the without saying too much for the people interested in the movie from years ago it has probably one of the dumbest red herrings in this whole movie of like yeah. oh here's the character that that it's supposed to be oh nope it's not and you're just going but but that other guy was was perfect like yeah. you did it just to bait us here 
Um, so this Texas Chainsaw was supposed to be, like I said, just like Halloween 2018 of a sequel to the original, ignoring all the others, which is probably a good thing because it gets super, super confusing when you get to like Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw New Beginning, um, the sequels. Maybe it's, I'm coming at this from a non-Texas Chainsaw fan, but like I feel like people don't really talk about the sequels as much. Like People talk about either the yeah. original or uh, the remake with Jessica Biel occasionally. But yeah, I, this is not a franchise that I particularly care about. But if I did, oh, dude, this would be sending me all the red flags right yeah. now. And I, I am I so nervous about this. Just going, people will be like, well, you liked it when um, – Knives Out got purchased. That's different. That movie hadn't come out yet. That basically mm-hmm. it was Netflix acquiring rights for these movies to be made. This movie's already like done, and they're like the studio making it. It's going. We don't know if we're gonna be able to make money off of this. So mm-hmm. Netflix, just pay us, and you can have it, type of thing. And that's yeah. that's very worrying to me. Now next is something that I am actually kind of amazed that Disney has sat on for so long. But I'm not going to complain about getting a new one. And that is, Disney is supposedly working on a new Rocketeer movie almost 30 years after the original. Which, uh, they didn't specify this will be like a sequel or reboot. But it will potentially be produced by David Oyelowo and may even star him as a Tuskegee, uh, Tuskegee Airman that basically gets the suit and becomes a new Rocketeer. I actually have a soft spot for the original Rocketeer. Uh, I watched it for the first time during quarantine, I believe. And while watching it, I could absolutely see why Marvel picked Joe Johnston to do the first Captain America movie. Because this feels so much like that first Captain America movie. A (laughs) generic, uh, good-looking white dude uh, in the army becomes a superhero somehow. It's not quite the same, but it has very much the tone and fun of the first Captain America, for better or for worse. They have about the same flaws in terms of its cheesiness levels, but I actually kind of really enjoyed the Rocketeer, and I've seen such a huge cult following with this movie for a while now that I'm actually surprised Disney never did anything with it sooner. Like I said, the last and the original Rocketeer was over 30 years ago. I'm really surprised disney hasn't touched it like that period there when they did like the tron legacy era when they're like let's go back and do some other stuff like they didn't do anything that time well maybe it's because during the tron legacy era they had a lot of high profile live action movies that didn't do so well john carter prince of persia (sighs) both of you are great and i love you both but maybe disney was worried then um I think the concept is really, really strong for the Rocketeer. Mm -hmm. And I think setting it later in history, I think, could be really, really fascinating. And also having a character of a different cultural background could bring a whole different aspect to it. I think that could be a lot of fun. I really like David uh, Oyelowo in the roles that I've seen him in. Uh, He just has a really great presence. So mark me... As interested and more just shocked that Disney hasn't jumped on this sooner. Josh, did you ever see the original Rocketeer? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, but that's not – I'm not, like, avoiding it or anything. I just haven't had that kind of opportunity to watch it. But, like, I'm aware of its classic status, and I'm aware of, like, how uh, much it's influenced uh, modern c- cinema. So it's, like, 
it, it is kind of surprising that Disney hasn't touched it at all, like at all. But maybe that's because Captain they've had Captain America for a little bit, so now they need to do something else, I guess. I don't know. If they didn't turn it into a movie, I would have thought this would have been perfect for like a Disney XD animated series. Of before mm. Disney owned Marvel, it would be like, well, we've still got the rights to the Rocketeer. Why don't we do a Rocketeer animated series or something like that? So basically, for those yeah. that don't know, the Rocketeer is a just average, ordinary guy that gets some special technology that lets him have a jetpack, basically. And this is back in, like, yeah. World War II era. So nowadays, it'd be very, very outdated tech. It'd be like, so he's discount Iron Man. But in the era that he's set, he's kind of like a steampunk Iron Man with just a jetpack, which always kind of made me go, how does he not burn his butt off? But whatever. Um, so nice questions. Just watch. Yeah, just, 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 just and watch and enjoy. They even had Timothy Dalton as the villain, which was interesting to say the least, um, as a Nazi actor, so just an actor. Um, I'm just kidding. That one, I got dark. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that got real All dark. Right, buddy. I'm sorry to yeah. actors, because we know they listen to our show. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, we're a pretty prestigious show. Hey, we're almost at 500, though. 500 subscribers. We we're are. Like we're super close. At the time of we're recording, we're 15 time. away. So, dang, look we're at 15 us. away. So, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already because you love us, or even if you hate us, please subscribe. Um, I, I also think just <laughs> hey, this subscribe to hear our terrible opinions. Yeah, well, my great opinions, Josh's terrible opinions. <laughs> okay, look, who called Blue Beetle and Static Shock? Anyway, we'll get there, oh, we like... will get there, my friend. <laughs> um, the last thing about Rocketeer is. I just love his design. I like the jacket. I like the helmet. More than anything, I feel like I've seen so much artwork and fan art of the Rocketeer over time that I'm like, Disney, in all of your merchandising power, merchandise this, please. If you had Rocketeer shirt, I would probably buy it. I enjoyed the first one enough. It has kind of the vibes of, did you ever see the Chris O'Donnell Three Musketeers movie with Charlie Sheen? And Kiefer Sutherland. It feels very of that era. I I did, yeah. It feels very of that time period, of that kind of like Mm -hmm. cheesy, family-friendly fun. But I enjoy Three Musketeers quite a bit, and I enjoyed this quite a bit. You kind of have to go in knowing it's kind of that expectation. So I'd say uh, for hmm. people that haven't to check it out, it's it's good. I, I definitely get like firefly vibes a little bit from it no i think you'd enjoy this more yeah shout out to firefly for being the show that everybody wants except for josh um no speaking of shows when when josh Josh refuses to watch when josh is done with friends he's gonna watch firefly stop no you've opened the floodgates man you've opened the floodgates you know what you know what i'm saying it now if we get to 500 subscribers I will watch Firefly, even though I've I've seen like a few episodes. And or I just didn't like it. You could watch I something watch else Firefly. instead. Josh what? should absolutely watch Cobra Kai because I've told him yeah, but... countless times, and I bring up Cobra Kai because if Josh watches it, there's a lot more content for him to watch now. As Cobra Kai, ahead of its season four premiere in December, has already been renewed for a season five, and I <laughs> praise the high heavens because. It just makes me happy. And Josh, 
is just giggling in the corner because he knows this is basically going to be me riding solo on this news topic. Yeah, I don't, I don't give a darn about Cobra Kai. But I like, know. Look, but... look, 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 look. At this point, I'm just not watching it out of spite. But here's the thing. People at home need to realize Josh hates the original Karate Kid because he thinks... Oh, absolutely. Because Daniel's a bad protagonist, which I agree with, but also... The show agrees with it. That's why Daniel is portrayed as the bad guy in this show. But the brilliance of it is there are no uh-huh. good guys and no bad guys. Of uh-huh. We first get introduced to Johnny, who we know is the bad guy from the original, original Karate Kid. But as the show progresses, him and Daniel are both kind of in a gray area. And even, spoiler alert, John Kreese, the bad guy from the original Karate Kid, he's quote-unquote evil. But even he, you're just like... Oh, so that's why you are the way you are. That's why you hated Miyagi, you racist old man. Um, <laughs> but even then, that kind of makes sense. Also, without saying too much, because I want Josh to watch it someday, the season, <laughs> without hyperbole, the season two finale of Cobra Kai, when it originally aired on YouTube, read, which, wow, that's a sentence. That's an outdated sentence. When... It originally debuted on YouTube Red. The season two finale I put on par with Sherlock's season two's finale in terms of cliffhanger status of season two. Okay. For those that don't remember, season two of Sherlock is where he jumps and basically dies. Season two of Cobra Kai, without spoiling for Josh, you're just going, oh, so things definitely can't go back to the way that they were anymore. Um, but I appreciate that Netflix is already showing confidence in this, one, because... The show has done gangbusters for them. It's done so, so well since they've acquired it. They, so far, season four is the only one that they, that Netflix themselves has had to foot the bill for. Seasons one through three were under YouTube Red's budget. And after season three, it got acquired by Netflix. So that's when it became really, really popular. And Cobra Kai became huge. Um, So season four is coming out in December. And season five is set to film later this year. It also confirms to me... A theory that I've had for a bit. Now I'm going to delve into mild spoilers for Josh and those listening at home. Season 3 ends with Johnny and Daniel confronting John um, Kreese. Basically saying, next year, we're going to have the All-Valley Tournament again. You have Cobra Kai. We're going to have our dojo. The winner gets to rule the Valley. And whoever loses has to leave the Valley permanently. And I've thought for a while now... And confirming a season five to me means that I think the bad guys win next season. Basically, they've done a very good job on the show of balancing it out of good guys win, bad guys win, good guys win, bad guys win. It's it's the wrestling match psychology. Um, and so the creators of the show from the get-go said that they had about six seasons worth of storytelling that they wanted to um, tell. So they have, they in their own words, they said, we have our end game. And they specifically said that. So here's where I'm going to get Josh on board a little bit. I think season four ends with Cobra Kai winning and kicking out basically our good guys. They can't do karate anymore or do whatever they were doing. With the help, of course, that we know Terry Silver from Karate Kid 3 is going to be in this season. I think our heroes, Johnny and Daniel, are going to be in need of some assistance. So if he can't be in Expendables 4, we might get some Jackie Chan action. I think that's their end goal because they've said they have a big 
epic scale finale that they want. And they, they've said in the past, they're open to acknowledging all Karate Kid movies, whether it is the remake or the Hillary Swank movie. They, they are open to including all of them. So, sweet Jesus, if at their lowest point, Daniel's lost everything, Johnny's lost everything, they go, well, Mr. Miyagi, he had a friend over in China. And they make the journey over, and the season four, the big season five cliffhanger is meeting Mr. Han. No Jaden, because Jaden doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But we meet Mr. Han. Oh, dude. I th- I actually do think they're planning big things for this show. For later down the road, like a big, huge finale that will encompass all of Karate Kid lore. But that that might be the only way Josh would be involved and be like, okay, I'll start watching where Jackie Chan gets involved, when and if. I, uh, I'm not going to give you the liberty of expressing feelings on your thoughts. Um, I'm not going to let you win, so we're going to sit here and pretend like I'm not excited to see Jackie Chan on any screen ever. <laughs> that That sounds about right. Josh is not petty whatsoever. Never. Also, <laughs> again, Josh should watch this because they, for a TV show, they actually have really good choreography and That's actually it. like know. know how to they film a fight her. scene and have surprise. It's surprisingly... not just you. It's not just you telling me these things. It's and it's like, surprisingly I've, I've well like, written. Like, like, like yes, they acknowledge the character's flaws from the originals. I know. I will force you, I will strap you to a chair, and I will young justice this. (laughs) We'll see. It's going to be like the end of A Clockwork Orange. I'm just going to have your eyes open (laughs) with picks. Watch it. Like it. Watch it. Like it. Watch it. Embrace it. it. Get stung by the cobra, guys. (laughs) That's that's, that's, that's a cobra's don't stay. Shut up. (laughs) Now, lastly for our news is one that Josh can actually talk about. Talk about. Ooh. Let one that Josh that actually can talk ooh. about. And it's pure speculation right now, but I feel like as DC fans we can start to get excited for DC Fandom this year as they themselves I don't know who they are, DC Fandom, Warner Brothers, whoever they are, has officially announced the full lineup for this year's fandom and Josh, I'm very excited. Like yeah. I liked, I liked Fandom last year. I thought they actually just really knocked it out of the park last year. I think they went above and beyond. They think they also completely embarrassed Comic Con at home, who just completely crapped the bed last year. Um, yeah. But this year at Fandom, we know for a fact we're getting a new Batman trailer. We're getting a first look at the flash which we kind of already know what we're gonna see but we'll talk about that in a little bit here um we're supposed to be getting a quote-unquote first look at black adam some behind the scenes footage for aquaman on the lost kingdom uh some behind the scenes stuff for shazam fury of the gods various tv stuff like titans superman and lois um some like tribute to supergirl which is ending uh, a first look at the Peacemaker show on HBO Max. Some new looks at uh, the Suicide Squad versus the Justice League. 
and also Gotham Knights, which gets me super excited because super cool. that's been very, very quiet ever since they delayed it until next year. But uh, you've seen some rundowns, and we've we always get excited for DC fandom. We got super excited for it last year. We might be more excited for it this year. We're still working out the details, but Josh and I may have a plan for this. We're we're still working on some stuff, but. Um, what are you most excited about looking at this list, Josh, of things that are coming to FanDome this year? Um, always down for a new Batman trailer. Always down. I, I wouldn't mind. I don't. I just. I don't know what a first look is going to entail as far as Black Adam or the Flash. We well, kind of already have an idea as far Flash, as the Flash. The Flash, unfortunately, we know because of those leaks. For some mm-hmm. reason, like a month ago, I feel like like the behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. look did leak um, before it got quickly taken down. What I'll be very curious about the Flash, though, is in that leak thing that I, of course, have not seen, and I don't know what leak they're referring to, um, it was weird though that this thing got leaked and in all the promo material, there were still some people's faces and characters that were X'd out like secret character, like even the people leaking it, which don't leak stuff. That's not okay. Um, even the people that were leaking stuff were like, okay, you guys can't know who this surprise is. Yeah. Like, so that's a big deal, which makes me go cavil. Um, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> flash we kind of know but um we'll get like an actual actual look at it black Mm -hmm. adam i'm really really hoping that we get and i feel like we will get an actual suit reveal uh as well as i would very much love a suit reveal for the uh remaining members of the justice society of america i want to know what hawkman looks like i want to know what dr fate looks like i want to know what adam smasher looks like like we don't need actual footage just show us like some concept art or show actors Mm -hmm. in costume i think that that would be enough because black adam is still a ways away i i wouldn't be surprised if the flash has at least like a clip because i feel like that's done filming i think so it's pretty close to my understanding um the exclusive look for the for the peacemaker will be a lot of fun um let's see i need to i need to catch up on doom patrol and titans anyway uh i'm excited to see what they'll bring for young justice if anything they are they they have confirmed young justice okay. phantoms is going to get some stuff which i need that okay. because they've been so quiet like I check up on that like once a week maybe and they they've said <laughs> they have finished about half the episodes in terms of like animation and recording so I'm like it's got to be soon right it's got to be like around the corner I, I think by the end I, of the I year or think. January I think we'll get Young Justice Phantoms see but like at this point after how long we had to wait for season three I was just like you know what I will wait until I'm dead like this is the show deserves my respect and my patience so they 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 can have it um let's see the flash doesn't need new seasons um yeah neither does neither does legends of tomorrow yeah i thought legends of tomorrow was actually ending but maybe not yeah i'm surprised i I'm actually, I was actually surprised to hear that it was still going. Um, yeah, I thought it died <laughs> a while ago. Canceled. Yeah, I thought it got canceled. But, I mean, uh, for me, I think top things definitely are Peacemaker, new Batman trailer, um, the first looks, honestly, just the movie stuff and Peacemaker. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't kept up enough with Titans and Doom Patrol to be like and and uh, to be really excited about it. So about the new seasons, but um, so I feel like I might was. What is uh? Okay, so I'm on. I, I brought up the arc on an, an oh, no. article that's good for you. Um, yeah, I know, right? I'm being official and stuff. It's amazing what a bump on a head will do. Um, <laughs> a, what is HBO Max's DMZ? Uh, that's a that's a like a DC title that's getting turned into a series. It's a lesser known comic, uh, like okay. not like I don't know as well, but um, it's not like a mainline like Justice League or Batman type universe it, story. It's a DC like label comic, kind of. Wasn't like Walking we, Dead like a dark horse or an image? It's kind of yeah, like one yeah, of those yeah. type of like a. Uh, okay, okay, okay. It's its own independent storyline. So, would Aquaman, King of Atlantis, and Batman Cape Crusader, are those animated? Or yeah, are those King of action? Atlantis is an animated movie, and Batman Cape Crusader is the Matt Reeves-produced animated series. Oh, okay, I'm down. All right. I think it's yeah, more or less no, a, re- like some... a revival of Batman animated series, is mm-hmm. what I got the cool. sense of. Yeah, those, but those, those are kind of like the main ones, the, the Batman, the first looks. Um, I'm interested, interested to see what The Lost Kingdom is. Um, I'm assuming it's the kingdom down below the trench in the Marinara trench in the trench, uh, the Marinara trench. I, I see you, you. Yep. Yep. You know, I said, I meant what I said. Oh, Marinara. I need that to be a thing now. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone ships, everyone ships that are shaped like breadstick submarines. <laughs> Did you, I randomly, and just cause you said submarines, I didn't know. That there was a submarine level on Star Fox 64, and now I need to go buy a 64 so I can play because Star Fox 64 is like one of my favorite games. Anyway, I was watching a PewDiePie video before we were filming. Anyway, um, hey DC, they're doing lots of comics. Look at that. Uh, so, because you're the reigning champ of this, if you had to yeah. predict some surprises <laughs> to be announced this year, again, Josh is the reigning champion specifically of DC fandom. Somehow. Like, I don't know freakishly how this good happened. at this. But if you have to speak something what's, into existence, Josh, what's happening what's this year at Fandom that's being saved as a surprise? Let's see. We've already got Blue Beetle announced, so that's off the table. But not um, at this event for some reason. Yeah. Um, no static shock either, like at all, um, which is interesting. I. Hmm. I'm trying to think of something that would, excuse me, Um, (laughs) that would uh, be like Blue Beetle, Static Shock level stuff. Um, Titans is kind of taking a lot of that thunder right now. I don't like what we're doing with Jason on that, but whatever. Why? Um, Making him actual Jason? Well, I like his performance, but I kind of see where you're coming from. I'm not too big of a fan of him being... um, scarecrow's puppet like what well, it, it also doesn't timeline timeline wise it doesn't make sense how so well i'm sorry uh i'm sorry i don't know because we're at what season three or four season three yeah so, yeah okay so is there like a is there a time gap between season two and three because well, last time we saw jason he was still like what 15 well no jason's been around for a while he's been around since season one no, I know, but like, he was like still pretty young. Not for, super for young. Anuka. I'd probably say like seventeen or eighteen. That's still really young. 
Because doesn't he disappear for like two, three, like almost like five years or something like that, and then comes? I didn't back. think so. I didn't think so. I don't know. Maybe my timeline is is off, and that's. But yeah, that's anyway. Um, grand predictions. Um, I think I'm gonna take a card out of my buddy Nathan's hat. I think we will get either con- uh, some sort of confirmation of Henry Cavill as Superman this year. Well, I'm glad Josh is saying it because I don't want to be the boy who cried Cavill this year. Um, I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's gonna be me. Henry Cavill coming back as Superman is becoming my Obi Wan Kenobi. Hugh and McGregor's coming back as Obi Wan Kenobi thing of like I'll keep insisting on it until it happens. Uh, no, I don't think it'll be this year, but I I still think Henry Cavill will be back at some point uh, this year. I will say I got two predictions. I think they are officially going to announce whatever James Gunn is doing next for DC after Peacemaker. Like Walter Hamada said, yeah, after the Suicide Squad, we know it didn't make as much money as we were hoping, but we were very pleased with how it turned out. So we are going to be teaming with him again. I think they're going to officially announce whatever James Gunn's next DC project is. And I think they're going to announce some new HBO Max movie, whether it's DC themselves officially announcing the Black Canary movie or maybe a nightwing movie for hbo max or did you miss the black canary thing somebody does no 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 sorry 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 go for it i i was just like i just realized we have no green lantern whatsoever and i was the, like uh, i think cool they're talking about be? the show i think they're going to talk about the show okay cool i want <laughs> a movie uh, i don't know why but yeah and i just okay whatever never mind don't worry about me anyway Gary. <laughs> any <laughs> other on. any other predictions no. josh not really. I'm kind of sticking to the Henry Cavill thing for now, just because we've kind of gotten everything we kind of want right now. I mean, quote, quote unquote, want right now. There's not real. There's a lot going on, and it seems like there's a lot in the pipe. Also, this um, event is only four hours, creative. so I don't think we're gonna yeah, have a ton so, of surprises. And it, and it looks like the 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 panels are all pretty stacked, so it's. I, I'm not really expecting many surprises this year, but yeah, same. I mean, I'm expecting one I'm, or two, but not open. like earth-shattering ones. Also, yeah, uh, just a weird like small thing, but I got really, really excited when they made the official announcement. They're like, watch it on DCFandom.com and also Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. I'm going, oh, thank God you fixed your stream. Because last year, only being able to watch it on their actual website and having to register and everything else, like hook up a laptop with the HDMI cord, that was weird. It was a weird stream. Like overall visual presentation was actually really, really well done. But I was like, can I just not just do this on like YouTube or something else, like an easier format, like an actual app? Um there, it was some growing pains. It was their first year. Like, why do I have to register, pick places that I want to watch? It was, it was mm-hmm. bizarre. But um, yeah, consider us both super, super excited. Uh, I think this year will be even better than last, just because last year obviously had a lot of projects that were like, hey, we will eventually get around to making this when the world is mm-hmm. more stable. And now that the world is more stable, it still has a long way to go. But more than, now, the world is more stable. We can start getting on track with more stuff. Our sponsor, as per usual, is T Public, where you can get all your Uncharted Media merchandise and whatever else your heart desires with the Uncharted Media logo on it, whether it's shirt, hoodie, notepad, stickers, whatever your heart content, whatever you need, basically. Words are hard. 
Uh, just go to the link in the description or just search Uncharted Media on TeePublic and you can find our stuff there. And as always, subscribe to the channel uh, on YouTube so you can help us get to the 500 subscribers. We're really, really close. And uh, as I've said before, once we get 500 subscribers, I'll be doing a reaction video to my very first ever video back in 2014. Oh, the, the good old much thinner in the face days um, <laughs> before I was very comfortable on camera. But um, this week, we're going to shine a light on the lesser known or lesser talked about castings in comic book movies. Like people that were either, like you said, in bad movies, but they gave a great performance that people don't talk about or were in a great movie, but people talked about other characters instead. Um, so there's a lot of different ones. I have one honorable mention I want to get out of the way first, just because he's not a big character, but as a lifelong Spider-Man fan, it made my heart very, very happy to see this character. And I thought he was played to perfection in the very limited role that he was given. And that's the actor, Bill Nunn, who played Robbie, uh, who worked at the Daily Bugle, who's the, um, the guy that always defends Spider-Man when Jay Jonah is always bad-mouthing him. Oh, yeah. I always loved Robbie. He's always like a good balance. And if I remember correctly, Robbie eventually takes over the Daily Bugle from Jay Jonah, which I always liked. But uh, again, it's not a big role, but I think he's an understated character in the Spider-Man lore that I would like to see come back someday. But that also implies that Peter Parker would never actually work for the Daily Bugle or, you know, mm. have a job. I Ooh, dude. I will forget every issue I've had with Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the past. Um, if at the end of No Way Home, maybe Tobey Maguire's just like, hey, you're going to need a job someday. Here, have my camera. See what that will do for you. Like, ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh. I just, I just need him to be a photographer again. Um, even Andrew Garfield eventually was supposed to get uh, Jay Jonah, as you saw him deliver some emails in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, I'll actually start. I'll segue that perfectly into my first actual one. Someone from Amazing Spider-Man, which isn't that your favorite one, Josh? Is that your favorite? Yeah. That was your favorite Spider-Man until End of the Spider-Verse came out, correct? Um, yes, correct. I think uh, a really, really underrated performance in Spider-Man lore, and specifically in Amazing Spider-Man 2, and not Amazing Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man, is Dennis Leary as Captain Stacy. I feel like we really don't talk about okay. him a lot. Uh, he's definitely a departure from the comic book Captain Stacy, but then again, Captain Stacy in the comic fe feels very old. Closer to what we got in Spider-Man 3. Yes, we did get Captain Stacy in Spider-Man 3. I'm sure all of us forgot about that. We'll talk about Spider-Man 3 later, though. Um, I really liked Dennis Leary. Like, I thought... I just understood where he was coming from, basically wanting to protect his family, but also, like understandably seeing spider-man as a menace but not because like he's done anything wrong but he's just like i'm a cop and i expect things to be done yeah. following a specific procedure and he doesn't do that if he's trying to help he'd be a cop i appreciated that i thought his performance was really really good i think everyone always ends up talking about andrew garfield and emma stone and how great their chemistry was and sometimes you'll hear about um reese evans ivans as the lizard occasionally and i don't think he was bad but i think the movie really works more um, with Captain Stacy, who at times almost feels more like the Uncle Ben of the movie than the actual Uncle Ben here of, here, I'm going to give you actual words of wisdom. And I, I wanted to like Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben, but he just kind of felt like they copied paste a lot of 
uh, the original Uncle Ben for him, which is a little bit yeah. of Martin Sheen thrown in there. But I think Dennis Leary, I think we don't talk about enough in Spider-Man world for, for his Captain Stacy. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that there's, there's a lot of decisions, and it's one of the reasons why I do like um, the, the Amazing Spider-Man quite a bit is – how he does the job is not all his idea. A lot of it comes from from Captain Stacy of like, oh, wow, you know, maybe I should not just keep going after the same guy over and over and over and over again and pretending like I'm helping out. Like, it doesn't make sense. So, anyway, yeah, Captain Stacy's great. Very underrated. And um, I like the first Amazing Spider-Man. The first one's good. It's the second one that I yeah. still maintain as the worst Spider-Man movie. Yeah, no, it's it's tough. It's it's tough to watch, unfortunately. Um, uh, there, I've got some some people on my list that are not necessarily quote unquote underrated, but they're not talked about enough. Oh, I definitely have some opinion. of those too. So, um, I'm gonna go ahead since we're talking about Spider Man. I don't think we fully appreciate Happy Hogan enough. I feel that. Like in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he is this small small character that really quote unquote doesn't do a lot. But when he dies in the next Spider Man movie, I think it's. I was about to say it's gonna suck though when he dies in the next Spider Man. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's gonna suck gonna when realize... Uncle Ben dies. You mean Uncle Happy? Yeah. Uncle Happy. Well, it turns out I don't like uh, Uncle Happy. Let's name. call him Uncle something else. No, it turns out his actual real first name is Ben. Is Benjamin Hogan? Anyway, um, <laughs> don't it's hot you dare! Oh man. Uh, anyway, but I just like considering. Can he's you imagine? No, since... seriously. Oh, don't just drop <laughs> that. We're, no. Imagine if that's an actual retcon that they put in, and it was just under our nose the entire time. Oh, I don't know if I'd be pissed or not, but that I think would be. No, I especially cool. if they they reveal that as soon as they revealed it, I'd be like, yeah, he's dying at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> like and maybe guaranteed. that's maybe that's why they don't reveal it until the tombstone says Ben Happy ben. Hogan. Oh, oh, don't do that to me! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd be emotionally. I probably would like hate the movie all the way up, and then they do that, and like in bawling, sitting, everybody's getting up, leaving, and I'm like, oh. but then, anyway, but then, um... okay, but then again, to shoot down our own stupid theory here, if his name was Ben, ha oh no, wait, no, that's never mind, never mind. I was just like, well, why is May Parker still named May Parker? But that's because she was married to somebody else named Parker. Somebody Parker. But yeah, <laughs> never mind. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> you know how name transfers work, right? Yeah. No. Okay. That, um, I mean, no, yeah. then we can get into the minutia. It doesn't always transfer, but <laughs> you know, if she wants to take the last name, if she doesn't, anyway. Um, but yeah, no. Happy Hogan has been there, been there since the very beginning, and I think, I mean, it all. Also, it's John Favreau, and I love John Favreau, but I think one of the main things that makes Black Widow's appearance in Iron Man 2 feels so cool is because of her interactions with Happy and, like, not as throwaway because of Happy. And I just – I'm just imagine. and one of the reasons I loved Far From Home was because how Happy seemed to be coming into, into that uncle role, to the, that father figure role more than Tony ever did for, for Peter. 
So I just, I think Happy is, again, I don't know if it's underrated, but like, I don't think the Marvel Universe would be the same without him. He, I've said because they killed him off too soon, I think he's more or less the new Coulson of like, Mm -hmm. he's important and people don't really understand how important he is as the linchpin to hold everything together that when he gets taken out, it's going to affect a lot of people. Like, Coulson, when he dies in the first Avengers, is like, oh yeah, every Avenger has some form of a connection to him somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. Happy, I think, is that because he's been around for so long, and I think he is a character that often gets overlooked, and I I don't know if it would still have that same level of charm if it wasn't Jon Favreau. I think Jon Favreau does bring a phenomenal um, performance every time he's out there, but I do think his days as Happy Hogan are limited. Even if he survives Spider-Man, I think with him taking on more and more responsibilities with Lucasfilm, and I absolutely Mm -hmm. see him taking over for Kathleen Kennedy someday, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes less and less of a role in acting and focuses more behind the camera stuff, either as a producer, executive, or a director, because he seems to enjoy all those uh, roles. But yeah, yeah, happy, happy as a character is just always underappreciated. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about a background character that, while is in the background, plays a pivotal role to. One of the protagonists I think you hate the most on the planet Earth um, in Scott Pilgrim. I want to talk about Kim. Kim is like one of the things that makes that movie so entertaining. Is Kim the drummer? Um, yeah, the red-headed drummer. Kim, I'll say this. I don't like Scott Pilgrim versus the world just because I think Scott Pilgrim is the worst protagonist, as Josh said. Yes, absolutely. However, Scott Pilgrim always has one scene that always just breaks my heart when it – it features Kim, and it's was it? Who's the character that's just like, you've dated all these girls. What about Kim? Kim's fine. They look over at Kim, and she's just like heartbroken, still not Absolute, over it, and tries yeah. to put on a brave face. And you're just like, yeah, screw oh, you, Scott Pilgrim. Like you literally <laughs> are scum. You 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 try and play the sympathy card of just like, oh, I'm awkward and I'm Michael Sarah and I can't get girls. Shut up, dude. Like. You destroy people. Okay, 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 okay. okay. We're yeah. talking about Kim here, not Scott. I know, I know how much you hate Scott Pilgrim, but, but <laughs> there's that moment, and then when, um, at the end, when she's like, "We are a sex football, but we're here, here to see Scott kick y'all right." But I was like, "Yes, let's go, Kim!" Like Kim's the best. Like if that movie doesn't work as well as it does, unless it's Kim specifically. Oh jeez, I always Pill. The girl, the, yes, Pill. I don't even Kim. like she, this movie. <gasps> You're gonna segue me perfectly, actually. Absolutely. Um, that's so, that's all I gotta say about Kim. <laughs> one of the one of the evil exes is Brie Larson, who uh-huh. I don't like in that movie or in Captain Marvel. But one of remember one of the vegan bodyguards for Scott Pilgrim vs. the you. World. I hate you. I knew it. I knew it. Was Brandon Routh who I still say to this day is probably the most criminally underrated and underappreciated Superman that we've ever gotten. Because if you look at what he was asked to do in Superman Returns by director Brian Singer, the movie is not great. I think the first half of it is actually really good of how does Superman readjust to a modern world after he's been gone for so long. The second half is duller than dirt, though. All the action's completely front-loaded. It's the exact opposite of Man of Steel. 
The thing is, though, Brandon Routh was more or less asked to be a Christopher Reeve clone because this is supposed to be a sequel to Superman 2. In that regard, Brandon Routh is actually excellent at being the Christopher Reeve's version of Superman. I buy him as dorky Clark Kent when he's got the big horn rim glasses on. He's got the hunch. He just understands the Clark Kent side of it. But then when he's Superman, I'm going, okay, I buy this too. Superman Returns is not a horrible movie. It's just really dull, and I don't think it's the best showcase for the character of Superman. Mm -hmm. But Brandon Routh really did find that perfect balance of Clark Kent and Superman and given that he more or less had to do a thankless job of following, at the time, the pretty definitive version of Superman for a lot of people and Christopher Reeve, and still to this day, a lot of people's definitive Superman, that's a thankless job. And I still think to this day, he really, really knocked it out of the park for given the material that he was given. Um, I just think he was really, really great. And they even brought him back in the terrible Crisis on Infinite Earths. And once again, he was the best thing about that as the Superman from the Kingdom Come storyline. Uh, it's a I When I think of underrated comic performances, this is one of the top names that I always think of of people just always go, Christopher Reeve, Henry Cavill. And then awkward pause. And I'm always just going, but Brandon Routh was good too. Like Tyler Hecklin's crushing it on Superman and Lois right now. But like, we always just kind of brush right over Brandon Routh. And I don't think that's fair. Yes, the movie is not the best, but he's great in it. And a lot of my names on my list are people that people just discount because they're like, well, that movie sucked. You're saying there's no good performances whatsoever in this movie? No, I think he was a perfect Superman. And Superman, as I've said numerous times, is so incredibly hard to cast, but I thought he was perfect in the role in both Clark and Superman. I think what's crazy is five good things has changed how you and I look at movies now, because like we can watch really not that great of movies, but like pull something good out of like a single performance. Um, I E uh, let's do. <laughs> Ghost Rider <laughs> with Nicolas Cage. Look, dude, you can. Ghost Rider is not a good movie, but. It's better than The Spirit of Vengeance. Yes. But you cannot deny the Cage in Ghost Rider is one of the most entertaining, albeit insane, performances in comic book movie history. Like, the first time he changes into Ghost it's Rider. It's something. It's. It's a transformation into Ghost Rider that only Nicolas Cage can do. The transformation, I'll give you that. It is a good transformation with some wonky yeah. CG, but the transformation is... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Nicolas Cage. I don't... It's cool. I don't know if Nicolas Cage knew he had a camera on him or... <laughs> that's or most like, Nicolas Cage movies. This is, uh, this is my routine to help me sleep at night. I... It helps me find my zen place. <laughs> this knock at the door. <laughs> oh, man. But, like, at the same time, I don't know if that movie would have worked if they got anybody else to play Ghost Rider. Not to say that the movie works really on any uh, on any level, but it's at least entertaining with Nicolas Cage in it as, as Johnny Blaze. I don't know. There's been talk that MCU wants to do Ghost Rider someday, and I'm just like, yeah, I love Nicolas Cage. Please don't let him come back, because I didn't think he was that great. But you're very free think that if it was up to you who would you want as a new ghostwriter i've heard the norman reedus rumor forever 
Um, yeah. I also wouldn't mind if we can't get him as Green Arrow, Charlie Hunnam. But then again, I must be just thinking of just Sons of Anarchy. Um, yeah. But but no, I'd be down for Charlie. I like Charlie a lot. Uh, however, I don't know if I would do Johnny Blaze again. I, I just – the bike is cool and all, but the com- the flaming Camaro is just so much cooler um, with the guy that picks up the mantle after Blaze, yeah. whose name is escaping my brain at the moment. Uh, but, like, it's just – I don't know. I, I think Charlie Hunnam would be the natural – I think it'd no, be better. actually, the person that people have been wanting for a while, more so than Norman Reedus, that I'm going, don't you tempt me with a good time, is Keanu Reeves, and I'm just going, no. I, I, no. is that just because y'all see him loving motorcycles? Is that it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is, and I. And, like, I, I can see the Charlie Hunnam and Sons of Anarchy connection, too. So, like, I can understand that. I just... What about Keanu Reeves I, as... What about Keanu as Wolverine? No, that's Tom Hardy's role. Anyway, um... Dude, <laughs> you gotta let that go, man. I will never let it go. <laughs> Ever. Okay. I, I'm gonna transition us away from, from that, because <laughs> Tom Hardy will never be Wolverine. Just... As much as Josh wants that. Let's see. Da, da, da. Josh, should I do a good guy or a bad guy? Uh, I'll, I'll, If you do a bad guy, I'll do a good guy next. Okay. Uh, bad guy. From a movie that I still to this day insist is not as bad as people make it out to be, but it's not as good as it could have been, even though the main star of this movie continues to bash it to this day, I think just because he had a frustrating time on it. Green Lantern. Yeah. I don't think Green Lantern's that bad. But Mark Strong doesn't know how to give anything other than 100%. And his Sinestro, y'all can crap on Green Lantern as much as you want. Can we at least all be in unanimous agreement that Sinestro was so perfectly cast in that movie? And that, like, that's the best thing about that movie besides Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan. I think Ryan was also perfectly cast, but everyone talks about that. Granted, it's never positive things we talk about. We always bash on Green Lantern. But we so rarely ever acknowledge... They did get some things right in this movie. And Sinestro was perfect. Granted, he has zero motivation other than sequel baiting us at the end for why he picked up the Yellow Lantern Ring of Fear. He's just like, hey, this matches my cute outfit today. Um, But he was so good in this. Also, honorable mention to uh, Michael Clark Duncan as Kilowog. It's so unfortunate that he passed away because... That voice was so perfect for Kilowog. There's a lot of things that Green Lantern, as much as people don't want to admit it, there's a lot of things that Green Lantern gets right. There's a lot more things that it gets wrong, but there's a lot of things that it gets right, and I think Mark Strong really should be in the conversation as a really solid DC Comics villain, but because he's attached mm-hmm. to a bad movie, we don't talk about him nearly as much as he deserves, I think. Absolutely. Like, he's so good to the point I... Wouldn't mind if they brought him back for the new, like, whenever they come up, bring Green Lantern back into the live action. And I wouldn't even question it. They wouldn't even have to do, like, a multiverse. They'd just be like, hey, this is Sinestro. Happening just happens to be played by Mark Strong again. And I'd be like, yeah, all right, cool. You don't even have to explain to me why why he's here. Like, yeah, absolutely. He's so good. All right. um... (laughs) This one comes out of nowhere only because... I legitimately didn't realize it was him until the credits rolled. Um, 
Michael Sarah as Robin in Lego Batman is one of the best incarnations of Robin ever, and it's it's like amplified by the fact that it's Michael Sarah, and it, oh, it's just so good. I can't, I, you can't, you can't deny it. I see your face. <laughs> you can't deny it. I want to deny it so bad because I hate Michael Sarah and I love what? Robin so much. Everyone knows. Dick Grayson is my favorite character. But for what that movie was going for with its Robin, he was perfect. It, it, it's unfair how perfect he was. <laughs> like, was it the most uh, accurate Dick Grayson portrayal? Absolutely no! not. No! But for what the movie was going for, he fits all too well also. I will admit Lego Batman has one of my favorite jokes of, uh, hi, my name's Richard, but kids call me Dick. Yeah, they can be so cruel. I'm going. <laughs> like, everyone talked about Will Arnett's Batman voice, and I was like, yeah, it's great, but have you seen Robin? <laughs> mm-hmm. He's fantastic. He, like, the energy and the wit, like, where is this energy coming from? It's just Michael Sarah. Like, who are you? It's all the energy he's had bottled up inside him for all the years. George Michael had all this energy left in him. Oh, dude. It's great, though. It's such a great, like... I know it's technically not a live-action performance, but, like... No, God, you know you so know our good. stance here on the podcast. Live uh, voice acting still counts just as much as actual acting. Also true. Um, also true. Let's see. I'm going to go with a good guy this time. I feel like he does get some cred in certain circles. Uh, some people, myself included, think he was one of the greatest casting choices of all time. But because he was overshadowed by other phenomenal casting choices like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine or um, or Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier, we often forget and overlook how freaking amazing Kelsey Grammer was as Beast. Like, yes... He was only in one movie. Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer was Beast in X3, dude. X-Men The Last Stand. That was Kelsey? Yeah. What? I... Josh has been shaken to his core. I guess I just... I've never looked up the cast for that. That really is under underappreciated because I didn't even think that was like... What in the world? I'm just having my world be rocked. Continue. Anyway, yeah, yeah. X3, Beastman. Beastman? Beastman. Beastman! It feels like nowadays people talk more about Nicholas Holt's Beast, primarily because mm-hmm. he had more movie appearances. He was like in a whole trilogy. Uh, but Kelsey Grammer, oh my gosh, I'm watching that going, that's Beast. You just, you see the human, but then you see the savage in him. The makeup was just perfect the voice was just perfect he was such a good beast but i feel like because one x-men the last stand is often not held in the highest of regards in the comic book movie community but also in the x-men franchise for the most part they had some actually really solid castings like i said hugh jackman as wolverine uh ian mckellen as magneto patrick stewart as uh charles xavier or even the newer movies with james mcavoy and michael fassbender as xavier and magneto Nicholas Holt wasn't a bad beast, but Kelsey Grammer, I, I think, was a much better beast, even in the limited window that we got. Um, I, I liked uh, Jennifer Lawrence as, uh, oh, jeez, I just lost her name. Mystique. 
I liked her for two movies, and then she just phoned it in. Yeah, well, you know. (laughs) And then, like Olaf, she got impaled and the world rejoiced. Um, Yeah. But Kelsey Grammer's Beast, I think, especially now, we look back so fondly in X-Men movies, we're just like, yeah, Hugh Jackman, yeah, Patrick Stewart. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Kelsey Grammer, please, can we, if we're introducing the X-Men at some point, we can recast everybody. But let's give Kelsey Grammer another shake here, please, because he didn't get a whole lot of screen time. And also, he technically he was in two movies because he shows up at the end of Days of Future Past. I, I think that's a role that... Case in point, Josh didn't even realize it was Kelsey Grammer. Um, yeah, it, he doesn't get to That's do a lot crazy. in the movie. Crazy Days of Future Past, I thought was the 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 whole one. No, because remember That's... at the end when when uh, Wolverine goes back to his normal timeline, everything's back to normal. Cyclops That's is so there. Wild. Beast is back there. I might have to rewatch the X Men movies just for kicks and giggles. Days of huh. Future Past is still one of my favorites. I, I agree. I completely agree. Um, man, we are like reaching like far back as far as like comic book history goes. Um, I always strive to do that. Yeah. Uh, That's actually not I my oldest one. I have some older ones than that too. I don't see a lot of people talking about it, but like I know that this person and because of certain <clears throat> things that have come up lately, people don't talk about him, but Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor is – pretty dang good nope i will strongly what? disagree i hate his lex luther almost as, almost as much as i hate jesse eisenberg really i never i, thought, I, I if never think he's more menacing than jesse jesse eisenberg here's the problem is again it's like the opposite of the brandon ralph thing kevin spacey he was in the unfortunate situation of having to replicate gene hackman's lex luther who this i know this almost is blasphemous to say but i hate gene hackman's lex luther too because he's more like the old-fashioned mustache twirling muahaha type okay. of villain, and I think Kevin Spacey was so over the top. I never bought that Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor was the smartest okay. guy in the room. Like he really played up the insecurity part of it, but I never bought him as the genius mastermind, the man that's like five steps ahead of Superman at any given moment, the hmm. the true kingpin of Metropolis. It just yeah. felt like Kevin Spacey just cheesing up every scene that he was in like but again i don't know how much kevin spacey was allowed to be kevin spacey and how much of it was okay kevin you need to be what gene hackman was doing with lex luther in the originals because gene hackman was also just cheesing it up and i really don't like his lex luther and also gene hackman clearly did not want to be in the movie hence why he never was bald in the movies he has a freaking bald cap on that's like a rite of passage you but that's my weird thing of i that's one of the, if we ever have a most miscast comic book portrayals i think that's got to be really high on the list really? i think i think a big reason why people don't think superman is super interesting is every hero is only as good as his villain and i don't think any superman movie to date has had a truly standout villain hmm because in the original Superman, it's kind of Lex Luthor who's trying to get rid of San Francisco for real estate. Okay, case maybe <laughs> could be made for the second one with Zod, Non, and... Oh, it's not Feyor, that's Man of Steel, but Zod and his uh, two lackeys. Superman 3. We don't talk about Superman 3 and Richard Pryor. No, that's 4 <laughs> with Nuclear Man. Oh, we really don't talk about that. With yeah. Nuclear Man. And then 
Superman Returns, again, Lex Luthor, but there really isn't a main threat except for a island that Superman carries to space. Zod, okay, kind of Zod, but I think Michael Shannon kind of overacted on that one. But I think the reason why I like Man of Steel as probably my favorite Superman movie, not called Iron Giant, Jar, um, is because the villain <laughs> is at least halfway decent in that. Batman versus Superman doesn't work. Again, villain's not interesting in that. Justice League, he's only a cameo in that. So I think fix your villain problem and you fix half the problem of every Superman movie. Hmm. Okay. The more uh, you know. The more you know. I, yeah, I think, and maybe that's why I have him on this list, though, is because I do think, given his situation that he was put into, he's doing, he, and the fact that he's not allowed to be Kevin Spacey, because Kevin is, is a pretty good actor. So, I mean, I don't know. I I, I appreciated it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Good guy or bad guy, Josh? Bad guy. Bad guy... Well, let's get the one that I wouldn't be surprised if it's on both of our lists because we've talked extensively about this portrayal. Um, I will always say Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the worst Spider-Man movie, followed very closely behind my Spider-Man 3. And the best thing about Spider-Man 3 in a performance that we still, to this day, goes, why don't we give enough love to this performance, is Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman. It is so, so good. I know a lot of people have issues with Spider-Man 3. I've never heard anybody once complain about Sandman, though. Uh, if you do, it's probably the weird retcon of, well, Sandman actually killed Uncle Ben. I'm like, no, we, we know how it went down in the first one, but this is a weird retcon. It didn't have to be this way. You've already got enough interesting backstory with him, with his daughter. Um, I The performance is just so good. And if we just focused on... Um, Sandman and New Goblin. Uh, forget who did it, but somebody did a story pitch for fixing Spider-Man 3 where the villains are Sandman and Venom as portrayed by Harry Osborn. That makes a lot more sense because, you know, Venom is fueled by rage. It's not like we spent the past two movies building up Harry's rage for Spider-Man and Peter. It's just, mm-hmm. that is so obvious. But Sandman... He shouldn't have to go as hard as he did, but he was so good. Um, I think part of it's also the visuals. He just looks the part. The striped shirt, the the physical attributes looks perfect. I thought Sandman, we still, to this day, we always talk about how great Alfred Molina was in Spider-Man 2 or Michael Keaton as Vulture. We really have said numerous times there's a case to be made that Thomas Hayden Church deserves to be in the category of one of the best Spider-Man villains of all time, if not one of the most sympathetic. I think he was so good in that, but because people don't like Spider-Man 3, they're just like, there's nothing good about it. How how Damn. dare you like anything about it? Yeah, it's it harkens back to that that one podcast episode. We had that discussion topic about the problem with fandom with fandoms and 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 nerdy fans in general of well you know it's commonly accepted that this movie is terrible so it's okay for me to just not like anything about it when sandman is literally carrying like (laughs) he's carrying that movie on his non-existent back like he just he's so good in it and to the point of People saying that he he they they were seeing him in the uh, in the uh, No Way Home trailer is like 
both super like exciting, but also like guys, don't 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 do this to where Hawkeye it, meme. It don't happen. don't give me hope. Yeah, don't don't do don't don't do it because he deserves a, another chance at the spotlight. Now, granted, I understand. Unfortunately, that means he'd have to share it with Doc Ock and probably Green Goblin, probably Lizard. Probably an Electro, and hey, look at that. This multiverse movie just turned into a Sinister Six. Anyway. um, Oh, yeah. I've already expressed those thoughts. Yeah. I got six more. How many you got? One, two, three, four, five. I got five. Cool. Um, Let me knock out another one then. Let me knock another one out while we'll be balanced. I I struggled if I wanted to put this on the underrated list, um, but... At the end of the day, I'm going to stick with my guns here just because I know this movie more or less has gotten cult status nowadays. But in the modern era of superhero movies, I think we still to this day do not give The Crow enough credit and especially Brandon Lee as The Crow. I think so many people like seem to think that the superhero boom started with X-Men and Spider-Man and then Iron Man started off the next phase and so many people seem to forget about like Wesley Snipes' Blade. But the big thing is The Crow and especially Brandon Lee's performance. I feel like his death unfortunately overshadows so much of the movie's legacy that people forget how freaking good he is in that movie and how much of the movie relies on his shoulders. He's got so much a weight on it. Like he has to carry this movie. Not saying it would have been a bad movie without him, but he is what makes the movie. And he is one of the best comic book portrayals of all time. But because it came in a time when I don't want to say the world wasn't ready for it. Cause it still did pretty well at the box office, but I don't think I think today it would have done a lot better than it did back then. It still did respectable for when it came out, but I don't know if the world was ready for that type of comic book material. Yeah. So I think Brandon Lee was drastically ahead of his time. And yeah, I, I'm sure Josh is in the exact same camp here. Yeah, I just went ahead and took that one off my list. Uh, yeah, so okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, cool. Brandon Lee is, is just like... First, I think he had, like, maybe one or two movies under his belt before this and, like, no acting credits before that. So the fact that he's able to carry this movie, not just as, like, the front runner, but, like, legitimately carry this movie on his back is incredible. It, the Crow is just so good. And I, what, I just had this thought. I hope that Moon Knight is going to be the modern Crow. Ooh, I think yeah. It's, yeah, I can see I, that. I can totally, I can see it bringing back, which is I'll talk about Wesley Snipes here in a moment, but a bringing back the, I don't want to say dark and gritty because those are hot hot buzzwords, but like bringing back the, the, the dark and gritty to superheroes, and like Moon Knight is like the perfect one for that, and the crow, and it, it I can see it doing a lot of the stuff that Brandon Lee does in The Crow in this, I've got a goal. I'm going to achieve that goal. We're going to laugh along the way, but people are definitely going to die. Like yeah, that's something else. Um, 
at the time, maybe I'm wrong and I'm not really thinking of all the possibilities out there, but at the time, we're used to like Iron Man, Captain America, cracking wise and everything, like humor in comic book movies. And I won't say The Crow is a comedy, but how Brandon Lee's character approaches crime fighting, he's cocky, he's arrogant, he's he knows the situation, he he's depressed but he has fun with it. He's got this charisma that I really don't think we had seen at that point in a comic book movie. You've got charismatic characters now. I'm not saying like Christopher Reeve or Matt Michael Keaton weren't charismatic in their roles, but it's a different charisma that Brandon Lee brings to the crow of it is. He wasn't, I don't think he was a rock star. No, he was, he was Eric Draven His was, character was, yeah, he was the rock star. It's the sequels that it's like a mechanic or something like that. Um, yeah, one's a mechanic, another guy's like, uh, I think a monk or something. It's super weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I stopped watching the sequels. They're they're super bad. But yeah, it's just like I would agree. Like I I think about the scene where it's like his first fight, where he goes after the knife guy, and he's like just cracking wise the whole time. And the other guy's like, dude, stop it. Like, you're freaking me out. I'm going to kill you. Are you crazy? And throws the knife at him. And Brandon Lee literally catches it in his hand and just laughs at him. And it's like, Didn't yeah, he actually do that it. too? Yeah. I was like, this is this is great. Like, I can't – you can't get it any better than this. It's so good. And I think the modern comic book fan forgets and about – the backs that all of this great content we've, we've had the past 10, 15 years were built on Mm. like Brandon Lee, like Wesley Snipes in his blade movies. Like I'm going to go ahead and name like a good portion, like a couple names here, like Wesley Snipes and blade, like Thomas Jane in his Punisher. Yes. I don't have it on my list, but I'm glad you brought it up. Dude, like those are my next two. I'm just gonna put them out there because it just it, it works with our conversation. Kevin Nash. In that... <laughs> but like <laughs> just also guys, can we acknowledge the fact that Kevin Nash has been like a multiple comic book characters? He was in one of the Punisher movies, he was the super shredder. It Kevin Nash is a weird IMDB page. Yes, he does. But like and say what you want about Blade Trinity. But the first two, at least, of, of Blade movies, excuse me, and the problem with Blade Trinity is definitely not Wesley Snipes. Like, the man is dark and brooding, and, like, that Including is... Including on set of that movie, if rumors are true. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, at the, but that's because he, he knew he was about to get caught with tax fraud. Anyway, um... He's about to get <laughs> sniped. Snipe, snipe, beep, beep. Um, I just, like... Those movies, Tom, the Thomas Jane Punisher, did stuff for that Punisher. Like, whoever thought a Punisher movie could work before that moment of, like, I granted, maybe Punisher was one of the few characters that they were like, oh, okay, we can work with this. We can make this work. This, this is more plausible than a man getting bit by a spider. We can make this work. Um, it's just guy with guns. Let's do it. Guys with guy, It's a guy with guns. And admittedly... Whenever they do war, what is it? What was it? War Warzone? Zone, I think. I think after that, like that takes. I didn't. I don't like that movie, but I appreciate Punisher Call of Duty Punisher, Warzone. It, it took Punisher where neat where he like all the way almost to the right to that line of where he uh, 
he's not buying black hole guns, but he's just just killing multi like whole gangs of people. Which reminds like, me, Thomas, Josh, did you ever see uh, Dirty Laundry? No. So I for mean, those that aren't familiar watch, with it, but... uh, for those that aren't familiar with it, Thomas Jane actually did a YouTube short film as the Punisher called Dirty Laundry. No way. Look it up after this, Josh. It's like how, Nathan Fillion, like how Nathan Fillion did the Uncharted fan film. Thomas Jane actually did one called Dirty Laundry where he reprises his role as Punisher. And since it's on YouTube and not a big budget movie, let's just say they're, they were allowed to get away with some violence. There you go, Josh. Oh, I, I know what so Josh is watching after that. this. <laughs> well, Thomas Jane is so good in that role too. And it's like the movie itself is not bad. It's not good. It's not amazing. It's better than but Dolph Lundgren. Gets- it gets the job done. And like the thing with Wesley Snipes and, and these, the Punisher movies is they're doing stuff that other films are not, not doing. And there's doing stuff that like nobody really was ready for. Like we, we will sit here and we laugh about haha vampires and films. Nowadays, if you say, Hey, what's your favorite vampire movie? People are like, Oh, you mean like twilight? And like, no, it's for Like, blade easy like really creepy weird i love it to, to i i love any take that brings the like mythical creatures out of like the mythical world out of the medieval age and been like dude what if they were still here what if they're still around and we just never noticed like that to me that's more mind-blowing than and more interesting plot plot wise than Hey, let's uh, take our audience back to a time that they've never been, and pretend try to put them in a mindset of what it'd be like to be hunted down by a vampire. Like it doesn't that to me that doesn't work as well as saying, hey, so what would happen if you met a vampire going to get a slushy from Seven Eleven? Like, like <laughs> you know, like that's more terrifying to me. But in, to me, that's why I think Blade works way way better. Although I will knock Blade for one small thing of. His like movie catchphrases are just the worst. <laughs> MFers, <laughs> guys. For those that don't know, at what point in the first movie, Blade actually says censored version, obviously, but mother effers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Going, <laughs> the heck does that even mean? Like, also at one point, early in the movie, Blade kills a vampire. And does a dorky little, yes, like, fist down pump, like, celebration thing. I'm like, okay, okay, (laughs) that's kind of not cool when you come in looking super, super awesome, kill vampires, and then, like, a dorky junior higher go, yes. It's like You telling me that you wouldn't? If I look like that, I have an image to maintain of cool factor. I Nobody's watching. Nobody's watching because everyone's dead, bro. No, there were still vampires in that bloodbath. <laughs> They're just going. Uh, my next one is attached to some of the most high-profile DC movies of all time, but he also, I feel like, doesn't get talked about enough for his loyalty. The director is often changed in the Batman movies, but he always stayed for the Tim Burton and the Joel Schumacher movies and all the revolving Batmans, whether it was Keaton, Kilmer, or Clooney. 
But Michael Goff as Alfred, I feel like we don't talk about enough. We always go like, oh, yeah, Michael Keane was awesome as Alfred. Jeremy Irons was awesome as Alfred. And that's true. But to me, honest, we have never miscast Alfred in live action form. Ever. Correct. Every Alfred we've ever gotten has been spectacular. And I'm super excited to see what Andy Serkis brings to the role. But Michael Goff as Alfred is, I think, to me at least, the most, like, closest to comic accurate Alfred in terms of just old school, um, just over it, sarcastic old man. But in our very first ever Five Good Things that I don't even think Josh is around for it yet, it was just me doing Five Good Things, my first ever movie was Batman and Robin. And I still maintain that the best thing about Batman and Robin is Michael Goff's performance as Alfred coming to grips with the fact that he's dying and him and Bruce's relationship mm-hmm. of going, I'm not going to be here forever. Yes, sometimes he gets sidelined because he's Alfred and he's a supporting character, but he's so, so good. We always talk about like Keaton is the best Batman to some people. Christian Bale's the best Batman to some other people and then some other people like Affleck. The focus is always on the Batman and never the supporting characters because obviously Batman's the one that is the main character here. But Alfred was the stabilizing force through all the different directors, through all the different um, Batmen. He was the same guy, which means it's the same continuity for all four of those movies. And every single one, from Batman 89 to Batman and Robin, he's giving 110%. And I feel like we don't talk about him nearly enough. We prefer to talk about Michael Caine's Alfred or Jeremy Irons Alfred or how cool Michael Keaton was. But I'm like, but yeah, because he had good help around him. You like Batman because Batman 89 had such a good supporting cast. And I think Alfred was one of the biggest parts of that. I agree with that, man. Um, yeah, I have no no uh, rebuttal. No, just all supporting stuff. The other thing I have is uh, I somehow missed that Andy Serkis was playing Alfred's Pennyworth in the new Batman movie, and I don't know why. I literally, like, while you were talking, I went and, like, live Googled that thing, and I was like, how how did I miss that? It's okay, guys. Eventually, <laughs> Josh, right. will, eventually Josh will get his memories back. Uh, maybe. We'll find Probably not. <laughs> so... I have one other Batman character. Um, hey, same. And we've talked about him before on the podcast of, I think the main reason he gets overshadowed is, one, he was a supporting villain, but two, the Batman trilogy has much bigger names and bigger performances. Like, Heath Ledger's Joker basically took the world by storm. Uh, Tom Hardy's Bane took the world by storm and not enough credit is given to Killian Murphy's Scarecrow. He's the only yes! he's the only villain that's in the entire trilogy. Even if it's only for like a scene or two, he's the only one that's in all of them. Granted, Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, whoever you want to say it, Liam Neeson's character, also great and deserving of all the love in the world. But he's the main villain. We don't give enough credit to Scarecrow, who honestly Dude. was just perfect. You just hated him of like the... You, you just tell he's the guy that's going to make you awkward and uncomfortable in any conversation. You're like, oh, yeah, you absolutely have dead bodies in your basement type of thing. But at the same time, yes. they don't undercut how clearly intelligent he is. Um, when he flips the switch to become Scarecrow, it's a believable switch. Granted, he's terrifying looking as a human. Killian Murphy just has one of those not trustworthy faces. That's why in all the A Quiet Place trailers, I'm just like, oh, so he's a bad guy. Oh, no, no. He's actually he's actually a good guy in that movie. Weird. 
I'm not used to that. Um, Killian Murphy is actually a good guy in Quiet Place too. Like wholesale. I haven't, I haven't seen it. He, he's he's a good guy in that one. Um, but yeah, I think we don't talk no, about yeah. Scarecrow enough because he gets overshadowed by the bigger names like Joker and Bane. And if yeah. he wasn't so good, Nolan wouldn't have kept bringing him back for more. Oh, I agree. And like to see him, I think it's so fascinating too because it he. If not Ross, it made sense for Scarecrow to be the first mm-hmm. villain for for um, for that bat- specific Batman. It fit thematically with fear. It did. It the the theme of fear. Um, if Nolan's trying to bring it more into a realistic point of view as far as uh, uh, storytelling, quote unquote, um, then yeah, Scarecrow's your guy. He, it's all science, bro, and it's all basically proven science too so like it makes sense and it was like so terrifying and like you said like killian unfortunately just has one of those faces that you never quite trust and like his voice he spe- his, his speaking voice is unfortunately like so sm- like uncomfortably smooth well and, fortunately like, for you- him it means he can be cast yeah. for life Oh, bro, have you ever, have you seen, oh, what is it? Um, Sunshine? No, 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 no. It's the, the show about the Irish gang that he's oh, in. Oh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Have you seen Peaky I Blinders? I not, but I know of him bro, in it. he's so good in Peaky Blinders. And he's like, just good in yeah, everything, it, though. Yes, he is. But, and this is not to say either that I think Batman Begins is the underrated one of the trilogy. Oh, I would say it's the underrated one of the trilogy. Thanks, yeah, Dark Knight. Think, <laughs> Everything yeah. pales in comparison to you. Well, but like at the same time, people f- take the scale of, and again, this is going to be my opinion because we all, every, if anybody's been listening to the pod, they know that I just hate hate Dark Knight Rises. But people just take, will see the scale of Dark Knight Rises and fair, fair point. Batman Begins scale wise is not as big of a deal it's still as big. as Rises, but to me it's a far better movie and far better more like hardcore emotionally. Yes, we have to watch Thomas, uh, you know the the Wayne parents die again. But at that but point, like, to be fair, at that point it hadn't been played out yet. That's fair. I just but like yeah, it's Killian Murphy is I think. And it's hard to call him not the real villain of the movie because it's only revealed that Ross is the main villain at the end. That's a good so mystery. It's like, it is a good mystery, and I like it. But it also – oh, gosh. I just had this this parallel thought here. Nolan did the exact same thing in, in, uh, in Batman Begins as he does in Rises. It's like poetry. It all rhymes. Because Scarecrow is the main villain for the whole, for basically the whole movie, and then it's like, oh no, it was Roz the whole time, and then in Rises they're like, hey, it was Bane the whole time, this whole the whole movie. It was an Al Ghul like, no, all no, along. It was an Al Ghul the whole time. Like, okay, now I now I hate Rises more. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's almost like he planned out the story. So I got, I have three more. How many more you got? I got one more because okay. because of the because of the Wesley Snipes and uh, yeah. Th- Thomas Jane thing. Uh, I'll get my other villain out of the way, and then the last two are good guys. Um, I don't hate this movie as much as some other people, but I appreciate that, like, even the people that just hate this movie 
are all we all seem to be steadfast in agreement that in X-Men Origins Wolverine, Lee Schreiber is perfect as Sabretooth. Like he is so is that your number one? Is that your other one, Josh? I actually don't like him as Sabretooth. Really? What is it about him you don't like? I don't know. I Not animal enough for you? I think so, honestly. Too human? I, I honestly, yeah. Like I, I, and I'm probably gonna get shot for this, but would you rather have Tyler Maine? The guy, at least that look, yeah, with all that hair and everything, I would prefer that absolutely. Maybe Michael Myers. I, <laughs> I don't. I, I struggle with it because Origins is. I don't hate Origins actually. Not it's it's not great. No. Um, but. And he's not the worst thing about it. I just, I don't know. I don't really like his Sabretooth. I, I like it primarily just because it makes Sabretooth not just a feral beast. It makes him an actual okay. equal to Wolverine. And performance-wise, Leaf Schreiber always brings A-game when it comes to comic book movies. His kingpin in Into the Spider-Verse, just fantastic. I actually didn't even realize it was him the first time I watched it. Um... I still think there's enough intense animalisticness to Sabretooth in that X-Men Origins movie. Like, I still, to this day, will cringe when he stomps on Wolverine's claws. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Screw oh, you, oh, excellent oh. sound design. Um, I Okay, you know what? The more I'm thinking about it, the more I think I'm gonna, I might step back on the on the hate a little bit. Just because, like, like, that scene, I'm thinking about the that last, last fight where he, right before... Deadpool is revealed. Um, I like, yeah. You know what? He's he, he's underrated. I'm I'm going with you. I'm with you on this now. Yeah. Even this is one of those that even people that hate X Men Origins Wolverine, they're like, well, at least Leif Leif Schreiber was great in the movie. Like casting wise, they made some good choices. It just didn't all come together. It. I think it helped though that his saber tooth was so radically different than X Men. Um. Also, quick X-Men side tangent. It annoys the crap out of me that the X-Men prequel movies, like um, Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, didn't end where the original ones began. I think they're like, yeah, we're setting it in the 90s. Well, if you just wait a couple more years, you're going to actually line up perfectly with the original movie. Like, come on, guys. Did you really think you were going to get one more movie out of this? Your box office returns keep dwindling. Um... But I've got two more. Um, you know, I'm going to save him for last because I think he really actually stands out as the most underrated. Uh, I have one that I'm going to cheat a little bit and pull from television uh, because okay. it still counts as comic book material. And the more I see him, the more I'm just going, you are the definitive version of this character. You are the greatest version of this. And that is John Schneider as um, Jonathan Kent on Smallville. I okay. I didn't know what to expect going into Smallville. I just knew like after about the halfway mark in like season five or whatever, it was gonna get weird. Um, but the first couple seasons, when they really just focus on the day to day Smallville aspect of things, holy crap! John Schneider is everything I've wanted Pa Kent to be, and he never goes into Kevin Costner territory of hey, it's okay to kill a school bus full of children if it means protecting your secret identity. I've always had issues with Kevin Costner's Pa Kent's morality because Pa Kent is such an important character to Superman. Without Pa Kent, 
to me, there is no Superman because Superman learns who he is from his parents. John Schneider brings this, like, believability as a father. Also, I always hate it in Superman just comics and media when Ma and Pa Kent clearly are too old to have Superman. Like, isn't that kind of the point of you lie to people saying he's your kid? Don't yeah. you kind of need to be at least a believable age that he might be your kid? And I think Smallville nails that a lot better than uh, Man of Steel did. Man of Steel's fine, but I think Diane Lane and Kevin Costner were a little bit too old to be believable as parents. John Schneider just feels like the most stereotypical farmer dad ever. Everything he does, he does because he cares about Clark. He cautions him to use his powers sparingly, but wants him to be more or less who he was meant to be. It Every scene that I see him in, I'm just going... That's perfect. That's Jonathan Kent. I may have my issues with the show from time to time, but I've never once had issues with Jonathan Kent. His performance is so, so good. He's the hardworking, loyal, loving father figure that Clark needs. He's the morality. He, you can clearly see, okay, the man that Clark will be someday is clearly modeled after his dad. You get where the inspirations that he will take with him later in life comes from and it's just so good what he brings to the table and i think people often write it off one because it's tv and two because smallville yeah, i think smallville was ahead of its time if it came out today i think it might be regarded better because at the time that it came out in 2001 obviously superheroes weren't as big as they were and even the show doesn't like comic books and the creators themselves will tell you that because the whole <laughs> no flights no tights but the human characters specifically, they get a lot of it right. And Paul Kent, I think, is the number one reason to watch Smallville. He's, he's the best thing about him. I'm just like, if we ever get a new Paul Kent someday, it's going to be hard to pass this. Because he's, he's just what I picture when I think of Paul Kent. Mm, that's fair. I really, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I It's been a really long time since I've watched Smallville. And you know what? Maybe I'll come in and join you on this adventure. Or who knows? But... Uh, probably not. I'll, I'd have, I'll, I have a list of shows that you Superman and Lois to. first. Actually, I think Superman <laughs> and Lois is better Superman show. But I mean, that wouldn't wouldn't be hard to be a better Superman show than than Smallville. Um, yeah, but, Superman, Super so, Smallville is a is a Lex Luthor and Clark Kent origin show more than Superman. Yes, it is. Uh, since we're talking about human characters, I understand why this guy didn't come around come back for the role or <clears throat> why sorry why the uh the studio didn't invite him back to play this character but to this day edward norton's bruce banner is still one of my favorites it's better than the incredible hulk one and edward norton uh, is the incredible hulk no no yeah you're right it's the who's the guy that does it before um Oh, the boring guy? Yeah, it, it, the one that kills uh, like, Eric Bana. the mutant uh, poodles. Eric um, Bana, the one that just yeah. is the heavy mouth breather the entire time, just going, boom. Yes, I do not boom. like him. And I'm not saying I like the movie either. Specifically, Bruce uh, Edward Norton's Bruce Banner is, I think, and maybe this is because Bruce in the modern marvel timeline has not really been given a lot of uh screen time as far as 
ability to grow as a person up until Endgame, um, I think Edward Norton's Bruce Banner makes the most sense. And it, it, it to me, while I do not like Edward as a person or as what he what he tends to do when he comes to projects, including Incredible Hulk, including Incredible Hulk, um, I do like his Bruce Banner quite a bit. It's not the one I want to end on, but you know what? These are the, what the cards are. We we we've had uh, some really good conversations about some of the other ones I've had, and this just happens to be the last one I have. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Edward Norton. I know you are. I don't like it because to me, there's no difference between Bruce Banner and the Hulk. I need there sure. to be a difference. It's like why I have issues with um, the original Shining movie of. Uh, Jack Torrance is already a little bit crazy and irritable before he even gets to The Shining. So there's no descent into madness if he's already insane. There's yeah. no difference between the Jekyll and the Hyde to me. At least with Edward Norton, he's already a guy unhinged and a little uncomfortable. Whereas Mark Ruffalo, I buy him as the nice, kind guy. And then when he goes Hulk crazy in like Age of Ultron, okay, there's clearly a difference here or like... When you see nice, kind Mark Ruffalo in the first Avengers movie, and then the look that Hulk gives when he's looking over his shoulder when he knows he hurt somebody and he's raging out on the helicarrier, like, there's a difference there. But you're not alone. I've seen some other people really like Edward Norton. It's just not for me. And I think there's a multitude of reasons why he wasn't asked back, but I think... One, it might be performance wasn't exactly what they were looking for, which, interesting note that that's the only Marvel movie that wasn't cast by Sarah Finn, and then it's interesting, I think. She's the casting director for every Marvel movie except for that, and it's interesting that that's, of course, the one that gets recast. Uh, I think the other reason he didn't come back was obviously the -the behind-the-scenes issues of him like trying to do a whole bunch of script rewrites and being difficult to work with. Um, My last one is a portrayal from a movie and movies that are not often in high regard and people are anxiously awaiting their arrival in the mcu to wipe the slate clean of the fantastic four and get the fantastic four done correctly but honestly other than jessica alba who was really awful as sue storm the rest of the movie the rest of the cast is pretty solid dr doom could be better but um reed richards human torch they're both really actually really really well cast but to me the best cast member of the entire fantastic four and one of the most still to this day one of the most criminally underrated performances is michael chiklis as the thing because mm-hmm. of how much prosthetics he has to work through but he still embodies the thing is the suit a little goofy absolutely do you still feel something though when his fiance leaves the engagement ring on the floor and he can't even pick it up like, you, you fit, still feel that. Like, the voice is perfect. Like, he absolutely nailed the voice. I remember reading that he was, like, the only real comic book fan going into this. So he clearly puts, like, 125% into this performance. And it cannot have been an easy role to do. One, it's not a great movie, so having to overcome that. Two, the incredibly difficult prosthetics. And three, Ben Grimm is just a difficult character to do you really have to put your own ego aside and realize you're not going to be in the spotlight here not just because it's a team effort but you're going to be covered with prosthetics uh 
people really aren't going to see you. And he puts everything he's got into this to the point of just like, when I read the thing, I hear Michael Chiklis's voice. I thought he was so, so good in it. Both Fantastic Four and Rise of the Silver Surfer, which actually honorable mention to Lawrence Fishburne as the Silver Surfer, I thought was actually really good casting. Uh, visually looked perfect too. I still have vivid memories of watching the trailer when Silver Surfer comes out of the Empire State Building and then like the ripple effect. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But the thing, people don't talk about that because they don't talk about the Fantastic Four anymore. They're like, oh yeah, all Fantastic Four movies have been bad. The original one, besides Jessica Alba, had really good casting. Chris Evans is a great Johnny Storm. Uh, Yoan Grufford is a great... Uh, Mr. Fantastic. I really like that team ensemble, but to me, Ben Grimm was the standout performance in this. He actually gets the most sympathy out of me of anybody in the cast. I felt like he was the thing. I felt like there was an actual struggle to him. He was the most interesting. And because he's in a bad movie, people don't talk about him. So to me, he's really, yeah. really underappreciated nowadays. Yep. No, I agree. I got no I got no quips, qualms with that, man. It The thing is fantastic. I think... With this multiverse thing, I think it'd be interesting to see if they bring Chris Evans back as Human Torch would be I think they hilarious. Might. I actually awesome. think they might. Um, cause mainly because I'm thinking about how that interaction between Tom Holland and Chris Evans would be. But, like, meeting Chris Evans again, but instead of Cap, it's now a completely different character. Like, it would just be... I think there'd be a dynamic that'd be pretty fun. Anyway, but... Yeah, it's unfortunately because, and maybe this is just the way that modern Marvel fans look back at comic book movies and go, well, sorry, we have the superior movies now. All those movies are terrible. They forget about some of the honestly really good casting and genuinely like hard work that a lot of these actors put into. I mean, Jessica is, she's not good. But she's worse she, than Rise of the Silver Surfer with that terrible wig. She could be far worse. I I don't know. Uh, given the time that the movies the movie takes place in, I don't know who you would have cast instead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, at that time, Jessica was the top one of the top ladies. So like it made sense. I get so, it. But yeah, the it, without question, the thing is ex- an extremely underappreciated. Um, uh, performance. Well, what do you guys think? What are some comic book movie roles that you've seen that really don't get the attention that most people should give it in your mind? Let us know in the comments below. Where else I came from, you guys? And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And as always, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're really, really, really close to 500 subscribers. So help us get it over that hill. And then we can start making the march like 750 and beyond. So once again, subscribe to us on YouTube. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.